Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday, the 29th of September. I know my driver, Marcel's going to be listening because we were chatting on the way in. Uh, and he said, would you still live in Twickenham when you retire? I thought, what have you heard? I said, no. I said, I've got no intention of retiring. Absolutely not. Who wants to retire? When you like doing something, although this morning I'm not... Uh, I'm fine. I feel, I feel absolutely fine. It's just that uh, the blood thinners are, are thinning, as they say. And so I'm leaking blood from every kind of bandage that I've got on me at the moment, which didn't really help because I've soaked one shirt through. And the shirt I put on this morning, that's now started leaking through as well. I won't take a picture and show you because... Oh, I've just lost the blooming thing here. Because you'll, you'll not be happy with seeing it. You'll be going, oh, my God. But luckily we're in hospital at 8.30 this morning so we can get the bandage changed. How long it lasts, I've got no idea. But the producer's father is on um, blood thinners as well. And it just means, I mean, this morning I woke up, I thought I was doing a scene from The Godfather when I looked at the bed. Not nice at all. And we soaked a shirt yesterday, so we're, we're back with it. It just doesn't coagulate. That's the problem with blood thinners. In fact, they all say clop, which is what their, their affectionate name for the blood thinner is, is their worst nightmare in anything to do with uh, with this kind of s- sort of surgery. So, uh, as I say, we're coping with it. It's just that we're sort of, we're going to do it in stages. So we've got, load, we've got loads of tissues in here, which we're sort of putting on. And um, <laughs> explaining to him, looks horrendous. Really looks horrendous. You don't... It's, it started soaking the shirt. Look. So I'm going to show, show Darren. What did he say? Looks all right. Oh, you don't want to see it. I don't. Wish, I wish it wasn't on my body. Oh, I'm, I'm soaking tissues at the moment. It's all good fun, though. I love a bit of thing like this. So it makes it makes the program far more dramatic. Imagine having a presenter who doesn't talk about illnesses and things like that. Heavens above! I'm that age. I can't wait to share things with people. And I would have taken a photo, but as I say, you really wouldn't want to see it. I promise you. Yeah, yes, the best off tomorrow is the illness hour. Steve Allen is illnesses. Terrible, isn't it? I might have to go early into the hospital to say, listen, I think we need to sort something out very quickly. Anyway, on the programme this morning, they've recalled 150,000 Brompton bikes because they say there might be a problem with the frame and they might break. And so they've recalled... 150,000... What? 150,000... What? 150,000 is a hell of a lot of bikes to, to recall. And so they're going to do that. So if you've been one of those lucky people who can afford a Brompton bike, because they're around 800 quid, they're not cheap. I always fancied one. I thought, I'll get a Brompton bike. Now they've recalled 150,000. I'm not over keen on the idea. Uh, ben Stokes, the cricketer, he's suspended at the moment on full pay over some allegations about uh, an altercation. Now a video has emerged of him taking the mickey out of Harvey, Katie Price's son, uh, using the C words, which uh, Harvey used on television. And it's a case of, can it get much worse? The answer is probably, probably, because at the moment he's suspended, but on, on full pay as well. Uh, the student who took LSD, I wasn't even aware you could still get LSD. I thought it was always something from the 60s uh, before jumping from a suicide bridge. Because if you take LSD, you believe that you can fly. You believe that's why a lot of people who take LSD, unless you take it, you know, under a controlled situation, which means somebody else is with you. When you take it, because that's how a lot of people operate, because it's mind bending, it's a hallucinogenic. Whatever you imagine comes true. If you imagine 
And, and I tell you this, not from experience, I hasten to add, that would be very stupid. If, if you imagine you're standing in a field of flowers, you can pick flowers, bright colours, everything else. You have to make sure that when you say, I want to go to the toilet, you are actually in the toilet. Because there is the danger that you can imagine. And a lot of people imagine they can fly around the rooms and things like that. So people end up jumping out of bedroom windows. So this particular person took it and then jumped from a suicide bridge. They probably thought they were flying. Unfortunately not. Uh, steps. Do you know Steps are still touring? And most of their dates, which they've got coming up, have sold out. Good grief, honestly. Who is interested in Steps? I suppose the same people who are interested in Bucks Fizz. They're back with a new name and uh, a new album, which is lovely. Uh, also, uh, there's an audience with Simon Reeve touring the country. You might not know who Simon Reeve is. I know who he is because I'm watching his programme on the television at the moment where he's going to Russia. I tell you what, it's not exactly a travel documentary. It really isn't, because he's been over there. So far, he's been followed five times by the secret police. It's the follow-up to the KGB, where they're so backward that they've literally, they, they've been arrested, taken away for questioning. They've checked their passports. This is a group of people who've got all the right... Where are you going? Oh, they've got all the, all the right documentation. They've got the authorization for for filming, and yet still... The police are there and they've been followed, quite openly followed by security forces and the police over there who aren't the brightest in the world, but it's all under the control of Putin. And they obviously don't want people, although they granted them a licence. Why would they want to make life difficult? At one point, Simon Reeves says to them, what are you doing this for? You know, it's just we're just filming. We've got permits and everything else. Either you're too stupid and you can't work out, you know, where the permits have come from or you think they're fake or you think we're fake. Why would you go and film in a dull place like Russia? They're out in Siberia, for God's sake. There's nothing in Siberia, apart from what looks like an awful lot of illegal logging, where there's so much corruption going on. There's more bent officials in Russia than you could find anywhere else. So, uh, but it's interesting. He's, he's doing his uh, sort of talk. I can't remember what he's famous for. I think, is he an explorer or something like that? Anyway, he's, uh, he's very good. Uh, also, the preacher who's gone to prison... He was telling children aged three it's good to be a martyr. He obviously likes the company of other men. You can tell that because off he goes to prison. Poor little soul. And uh, Argos and a bit of a cock up with their toy hike prices. Plus there's also, <laughs> plus there's also uh, the chicken. They did it on the television last night. I remember watching I think it was on News at 10 or something like that. And it's uh, this particular company. What was the company called? I can't remember what the company was called. And they do, they obviously process chickens for a lot of the major supermarkets. But some of the practices that they appeared to be indulging in looked less than savoury. I mean, seriously, you wouldn't be touching chicken in any of these supermarkets anytime soon because you wouldn't be too sure whether it's been dropped on the floor, whether it's been sent back to them and they've just repackaged it, or whether it's old chicken mixed with new chicken. At one point, we saw somebody changing the dates on crates of dead chickens uh, to make it appear as though it was only killed the other day. And you think to yourself, I don't think I want to eat chicken anymore. We had all this trouble with other things, didn't we? You know, with horse meat mixed in with this. There's obviously so many crooks out there because it's worth so much money that this particular company thought it was necessary. They've got undercover filming. I think this was done between The Guardian and ITV. <coughs> and um, it, it just looks, looks awful. I mean, at one point, somebody drops chicken on the floor, on the factory floor, picks it up and just carries on, you know, um, putting it into the packets. Really? I wouldn't want to be eating anything from them, thank you very much indeed. Breakfast at Tiffany's. The script, owned by Audrey Hepburn, has just sold for 
£630,000, because you don't get any more iconic than the script, with all the little notes on it and everything else. That'd be great. It's only just a piece of typewritten paper, but it's the script. It's her script, and that's why it makes it uh, very, very nice. Roll over on the lottery. People are getting really, really fed up with Camelot. It's uh, 155 million tonight. Uh, nobody's won anything of any consequence for ages and ages. Why? Because they've made it nigh on impossible. Nigh on impossible. That's why it's got to these stupid amounts. You know, I mean, how they were ever allowed to change it, I've got no idea. Because what it means is they rake in loads of money but give out nothing. Nothing at all. You know, £2.34, £6.20. You won a loco, lotto lucky dip. Well, big deal. Because uh, it's just not worth the paper it's written on anymore. Uh, plus, what was the other one? Oh, Eamon Holmes, who uh, really just doesn't uh, take the hint. He's now admitted that his family tree was actually on the BBC because they were too dull. So uh, he said that's why it's never been shown. And uh, he gave them all the information. You know, as if we don't have enough Eamon Holmes on the television. But thank God they never got him to strip down to his pants on loose women. That would have been a sight and a half, wouldn't it? Uh, experts warn that a war with North Korea is a real possibility. They say thousands could lose their lives. Yeah, mainly North Koreans, I suspect. And Sir Ken Dodd says, I'm 90 soon, but I'll never retire because I love my job. And that's what it's all about, isn't it, nowadays? It's a case of, you know, if you love your job, why would you want to change it? Why would you, I said that to my driver this morning, Marcel. I said, you know, because you love doing something, why would you want to change it? I can't think of anything worse. You know, when my boss says to me, you know, would you like some time off? I go, no. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very nice. But I just don't do t- I can't just sit there and do nothing. Unless I sit there and bleed like a stuck pig. So I, I, I try desperately to sort of... I don't feel ill. I re- I'm, I'm not an ill-feeling person. As we discussed yesterday, I don't get headaches. I don't get migraines. I don't get back pain. I've had back pain in the past. That's a bit of a pain in the rear end, isn't it? That's what My friend John's got that at the moment. He came back from holiday. He thought going on holiday in the sunshine, because he went to uh, Greece, he said he thought he'd actually come back and, um, and it would be fantastic. But uh, no, he's still got backache. So he went off there with his, uh, with his mum and dad, had a nice time. Um, and I just don't do holiday. I can't do holidays. I'm just not a holiday person. I'm just really not. I, I just can't get excited about going on holiday. Some people look forward to it. Don't mind my friend Helena. She's off today on holiday. But because she's flying from Heathrow, but she's flying back into City Airport, she's got to drive into London, park, not at City Airport, but two minutes away. There is an app, which she's used before, where you park on somebody's drive. And it's cheaper than parking in a car park. I think she's paying, like, for three, four days, 30 quid. And you think, well, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. So she's doing that. She's two minutes away from City Airport. So she's got to go from City Airport this morning, from the parking on somebody's drive, all the way over to Paddington to get the train out to Heathrow. And then when she flies back in, she'll fl- so then she's got the car and she can, you know, just go back normally because she arrives back, I think, in the middle of the rush hour. But I'd never heard of this app. What a brilliant idea. Parking on somebody's drive. And she's another one. She gets she gets bad backs and things like that. But uh, it's this it's this stressful bit of driving backwards and forwards. I think most people worry about, don't they? Uh, also, the uh, the story of why you should all sing Happy Birthday twice when washing your hands. You don't spend enough time washing your hands. It's like mastication. Uh, you don't you don't chew enough food. Most people food in the mouth, chew, swallow. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to chew so many times. I mean, it's so boring. So nobody does it. Most people sort of gulp food, gulp drink and everything else. And in this particular case, 
It's a case of sing happy birthday. How many verses you sing? I say, happy birthday to you, birthday to you, birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. So twice is enough time for washing your hands. So there you go. And to be honest with you, every time I go through the hospital, uh, they've got these this hand cream everywhere, you know, which is really good for you. So you sort of do the hand cream bit and it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. So sing happy birthday twice. It was like, what do they say when you were cleaning your teeth? They said, there was, again, you're supposed to do something which takes a bit of uh, a bit of time to do. And that's supposed to. So it's about three minutes. But I've got an electric toothbrush. My God, it's like a vibrator. It's so fast. Really, it's unbelievable. And I've got a head on it like you can't imagine. I mean, it's seriously, I've, I've got a really big head uh, on the top of my one. And I bought a packet of them the other day. And you can get you can get soft or hard. And I thought I go because they don't seem to do medium. It's either going to be soft bristle or hard bristle. So I thought if I go for medium bristle and then I suddenly thought they don't do medium bristle. And why would you want to do hard, hard bristles? So I've, I've done soft. Which probably isn't much good, actually. But uh, I, I like an electric. I really do. I've used manual before, as many people have. And an electric is so much better. Seriously, you can get so much more in, can't you, when you're doing electric. Some people, I've tried battery. That's just rubbish. That's just, they look great, but frankly, they don't have the power or the enthusiasm to do anything at all. So that's why I like it. And occasionally I'll go out and leave it charging. So when I get in, it's got a proper charge on it. And it's, it's really good. But I'm not also sure... Did you know that, I didn't know this till a short while ago, when you clean your teeth, you're not supposed to spit and rinse. Did you know that? I heard this a while ago. What you're supposed to do is sort of keep the toothpaste in your mouth because it's the toothpaste that activates. Once you rinse, you've rinsed the... T- I, exactly. I'd never heard of it before, but somebody said you're not supposed to spit. I said, what, you're supposed to swallow all the time? And they said, well, you know, not not all the time. I said, because sometimes a mouthful... And you just can't, you know, you can never get rid of it. You like in the jacket? Is the jacket going well? Like in the jacket? Jacket good? Is it really cool? Have all your friends noticed that you're now a country bumpkin with your own barber jacket? He likes it. Yeah, you've still got another jumper. Have you got a job lot or something in TK Maxx or something? You've just discovered that they do your size. You know, because you never used to wear loads of labels. You've obviously splashed out, haven't you? Have you spent your pocket money this month on new... New sweatshirts and everything else. Because I've never seen that top before, and I know most of your wardrobe. I've seen most of it over the past year. Sorry, what? What's he said? Take a break. I'll take a break when I'm ready. Don't start telling me. You're only the assistant producer on the programme. When the main producer says we take a break, I will. And he just has. So here it is. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 4.20 is the time. Bright-eyed, bushy tail. I feel absolutely fine. Let me just stress, just in case you get worried about it. I'm 190% fine. The only thing is, because of these blood thinners, it's, uh, and this is in the, uh, in the place where I had the operation, the burns unit at the hospital. Let me just explain. This is their worst nightmare. If you say you're on this clopprid, what's it, which is, a, which is like warfarin, and it's a blood thinner. It means that no matter where you cut yourself, you're going to bleed forever because your blood is so thin it can't coagulate. So I'm 100% fine. Don't feel dizzy. Don't feel, don't feel anything at all. I can walk. I could probably dance if I put my mind to it. It's just that I can't stop the bleeding. So what we've done is we've got a nice big pile of tissues. It looks ridiculous. And I've just literally put them over my chest to soak up the, uh, the blood that's cut. Because I think what happens is, as you move... And because I've got the uh, the leg done and the chest, 
both of them react differently. One has got stitches in and one is the bit where they took the skin from for the skin graft, which many of you will probably be having done at some point if you get burnt or, you know, I feel sorry for kids. I was saying yesterday when I had the injection, you know, the injections, they say they sting. Bloody well do sting. They really do. And I said to, to people, you know, it's it's probably all right for people my age. We just go, oh, God, and you grit your teeth. For little people, it must be a nightmare. I should imagine they have to hold them down. Because, you know, that's about the only way to do it. Unless they give you a little injection, put you out, then they can get on with doing it. But it's it's the blood thinners. They all said exactly the same. That word clop kind of, you know, it just it ruins their day. because. But they must have seen it before, so we'll get this changed. Don't my weekend ruined, thank you very much indeed. And we've got In Conversation tomorrow. And it's a fantastic one. And I've got uh, the final day uh, of talking about my holiday, which you could win to Sandals in Barbados, and it's for two people, and it's a it's a super holiday. And all you have to do, and I'll tell you later, if you've missed the programme throughout this week, uh, is uh, is donate £3. That's all it is. It's not £3. Good Lord, I'll be spending more than that on a taxi to the hospital this morning and uh, getting there and going, what can we do about this? But I feel fine. I feel abs- If you notice any different, do, do write in and tell me, but I promise you, you, you won't notice any different. I shall be as acerbic... And as rude as I possibly can be. I thought, actually, because I'm taking these... What am I taking? Oh, sort of, um, um, it's like tablets. They're not... It's not particularly heavy medication. But you just need two to take away the ache. It's so, but there again, if you've had surgery where somebody's taken skin away from you and they've sort of done it with like a, a kebab machine, as I prefer to call it, then, you know, you expect to get a little bit of bleeding, a little bit of pain, a little bit of... It's not necessarily pain, it's ache. It's all doable. Because, as you know, I've been injecting for years now, and once you can get over that and stop the bruising and all the other things, you know, then you're doing very well. But apart from that, it's nice to have your company. I'm with you till 7 o'clock this morning. We take all your texts and emails, 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. Carol and all the lovelies says, please take care and lots of love. Yeah, I mean, I promise you, I feel absolutely fine. It's only, it's, and the only reason I'm sort of slightly on edge is because I'm angry. That I'm on blood thinners, but I have to stay on them for the year after the after the stents. But apart from that, I could I could run a marathon. You could put put my boss in a pair of shorts and me in a pair of shorts, and I'd beat him in a race. Well, there you go. Jane says you're so brave dealing with everything. I'm not brave at all. I'm mercenary. I'm mercenary. I was saying to my driver this morning, you know, we were talking about holidays. I said, I just don't do holidays. I said, I'm not a holiday person. I don't know what to do. I don't lie on sun. Some people are brilliant. If you've got kids. And you go on holiday, the kids love it. You know, the sand, they can make a sandcastle, they can swim, they can, they can do all sorts of things, they have ice cream. If you're a parent, you just want to go, I just want to go to sleep. Me, I can go to sleep any time I want. This afternoon, I shall go to sleep. I shall have a nice little doze, I shall get up, I shall have something to eat. Cooked on the hob. And uh, I was going to have something completely different yesterday, and you know, I didn't have the strength to do it. I thought, oh, I can't be bothered. I'll just survive on something nice and easy. So I just had some rice. And I thought, as long as I could just have rice, that's great. And then I was looking at television. My God, there's some rubbish television programmes. There was one which was passable, and it was Bear Grylls, with a lot of celebrities I'd never heard of, apart from Jason Gardner. I didn't know who anybody else was. And they're stuck on an island, and they have to survive. And apparently it's great for weight loss. I thought I could put myself forward for that. I could do a Bear Grylls programme, and then I could... Is it him again? Goodness sake, honestly. I bet he's reversing the charges. I know what he's like. (laughs) <laughs> but it's and so I was watching the program and they've all lost weight and they have to do things like they had to eat fish eyes 
well, nothing under God's earth would ever get me eating fish eyes. It's as simple as that. There are certain things. That's why there's no point in even offering me, and I wouldn't be interested anyway in that I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, where you have to eat all sorts of really peculiar things. I'm not remotely interested in anything like that. Anything that is unusual, and anything and, and unusual years ago used to be mushrooms for me. Mushrooms was the thing I could never quite get to grips with. I used to look at them and go, I'm not eating that. And so I didn't eat mushrooms. Now, I can't get enough of mushrooms. I love mushrooms. I love all the sort of things that I never used to eat. The only thing I'm not good with is, what do they do at Christmas time? It's not turnip, parsnips. Ugh, awful. I can't get excited over, over parsnips at all. You know, whether they're covered in honey or anything else like that. And I am looking forward to my Christmas dinner this year. That's the one thing I, I look forward to. But I'm just a bit basic. Sprouts, little sausages, bit of bacon wrapped round there, little bit of stuffing. Cook separately, please. Uh, turkey, white meat, crispy roast potatoes and gravy. And that does me fun. I'm not interested in puddings, desserts, mince pies. Mm, can really leave. But if I, was, if I was having a bit of a blowout day, then a couple of mince pies with some custard would be the kind of thing that would, uh, that would be really good for me. So I was thinking about buying a folding bike. And then I thought, A, I think it's pretty dangerous to ride a bike in London. I've seen people riding bikes and I'm thinking, maybe not for me. I'm slightly accident prone, so I've decided maybe that isn't the good thing. But they've recalled not just 20 or 50 or 60 or 100 or 100,000, 150,000 Brompton bikes have been recalled, which is, I mean, that's amazing. It's something to do with the frame on it, and there's not too much to them. There's a frame and a couple of uh, wing nuts which you tighten up and then the bike folds outwards. A bit like sort of opening opening patio doors but sort of sideways if they were sort of split in the middle. And um, oh god, what now? Good? You alright? He's not still worried, is he? Oh god. Don't worry. I'm fine, honestly. I'm really fine. And um, so I've uh, I've got... Another story about William. William has now backed the Imperial War Museum's new Holocaust exhibition in London. Now, I think I've seen the old Holocaust exhibition in London at the Imperial War Museum. And I thought it was brilliant. We, we raved about it and said, really, you know, it's such a good museum. I think it's built on the site of, um, they used to call it an asylum years ago. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It'll come to me in a, in a minute. But anyway, you go to the Imperial War Museum and it's not a museum that celebrates war, but it shows you what went on for all those people who don't remember things like that. And for the for the Holocaust exhibition, they've got everything. They've got one of the little boats that brought people back from from Dunkirk and from the from the beaches. And they've got one of the wagons that took people into Auschwitz. And they've got uh, it's it's I think it's a tribute I think it's a, a very special place to go to, and a lot of people go there to explain the history of exactly what happened for all those people who apologise for it. This is to actually explain to people what happened, and it's it's really it's very very well done. Museums have changed a lot since the early days. When as a as a child, most of you who've, who've got children will know that it's like oh, not museums again. You know, people went, oh, I don't want to go to... Because it was, it was full of things in dusty cabinets. You'd go round there. Even the, uh, the Science Museum was full. And they've still got some of them. But they look a bit nostalgic now. Little models of tractors in a glass cabinet sitting there. 
and uh, and you and you sort of look at it and think, oh, I remember that when I used to come around the first time. Now you go to the science museum, it's just all singing, all dancing. It's a brilliant. There's queues of of kids waiting to go in there. Adults are finding it fascinating. The V&A, one of my favourite museums. Uh, the Natural History Museum, again, full of dusty cabinets years ago. Now, all singing, all dancing. And, uh, and, and they're just amazing. And they're free. And they're free. Although they try and get money out of you. I've said before, at the uh, Science Museum, uh, you have to go through a turnstile, which makes people think, because I'm, I'm, I'm London, and so I don't think I should have to pay for it. I think I've, I've paid time and time again for it, and I bought stuff. So you just go through, and you're just going to the shop. That's all you're doing. Or you can go in through the... Uh, the Geology Museum, which is next door, and just cut through. There's a, a little sort of cut through, which is quite easy to do. But there's always queues a mile long to go into the Natural History Museum. And I would say to people, ignore the queues, go round the side to the Geology Museum, go in that way. Just means you come in from, a, from another side. But if you look at the queues going into the Natural History Museum, you really don't want to stand there for hours on end. Although coming up shortly, I don't know when it's beginning of November they do it, or perhaps even before that, they put in an ice rink. At the front, they put in an ice rink at the front and they'll have a, a roundabout and, uh, and people love it. There'll always be sort of loads of celebrities who are, who are there to partake of the ice skating. I can't, I've, I've tried ice skating again, another thing that kind of eludes me. Obviously, my, uh, my sense of balance isn't exactly uh, good. Up early, Steve, uh, treat a fried egg sandwich on cheap white bread. Bit of salt. Ooh. Do you put salt? I didn't think people put salt on anything anymore. I thought there was enough salt in anything anyway. It says, Missed why cartoon burgers wear black and white stripy tips on James Magical Hour. I thought it was harpsichord hour yesterday. I'd heard something else. What was it I heard the other day? Oh, there was some question. And I remember thinking, oh, that's a good one for him. Uh, somebody says, have you, have you ever considered a skateboard? No. I've done roller skates, which is roughly the same thing. I'm not Brooklyn Beckham. I can't do anything like that. I'd be rubbish. Uh, the company dealing with the chickens, it was called Two Sisters. Uh, Steve, I've also given up eating chicken, says uh, Mal in Kefili. Right. He says, the reason I'm writing in capital letters is because I'm waiting for an operation for cataracts in both eyes. Wow. Wow, that's quite something, isn't it? Cataracts in both eyes. But, oh, I've missed the news again. <gasps> You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Somebody says, Steve, surveys have shown more people are giving up meat products. Are they? I don't think so. I mean, the, the, I know that uh, Marks and Spencers and probably other supermarkets as well this year are doing more uh, vegetables and vegetarian stuff. But if you buy Hugh Fernley Whittingstall's book, it tells you how to do about 400 recipes using vegetables, which is which is quite basic for a lot of it, because we just don't do anything, do we? If we have vegetables with something, we just put, um, you know, some stuff in a frying pan with a little bit of water or in a saucepan and you do sprouts and peas and carrots and stuff like that. Mixed vegetable medley. And that's it. But in fact, if you think about it, you can put uh, I think what did he put the other day? Oh, he put um, rhubarb in with um, something else. What did he put? In? It was the most unlikely combination. I know he puts apple in with roast potatoes. I couldn't quite work out why apple and roast potato would go together. And I thought. I suppose it would, actually. There's nothing you can't put with other things. And the more you experiment, the better it is. But the one thing I'm, I'm getting into is soup. Mainly because it's, it's actually quite easy to do it because it all comes ready-made. I know some people make it themselves. You can buy a liquidizer now where you put the vegetables in, a little bit of water, and not only does it liquidise it, but it also heats it up. It does the whole thing. So you don't have to sort of worry about liquidising, pouring into a saucepan. Because it's the, the more blooming 
in, uh, the things that you use in the kitchen, all your implements, all the saucepans and this and that. You know, you think, oh, we've been washing up forever and a day. No, I don't have a dishwasher. But uh, nice of you to, uh, to mention it. So it's uh, people giving up meat. I don't think it's the healthy option necessarily. I think you could be quite healthy eating meat, like you could be healthy eating fish. You've got to pick the right sort of fish. But when I looked through the list the other day, which we did on the, on the programme, I remember thinking, I don't like any of these fishes. I, I, I really didn't, didn't fancy any of them at all. It was, sort of, it was, it was oily fish. And uh, if there's one thing I'm not particularly good at, it's oily. Mackerel, I think, was high on the list. I thought, oh, dear. I wouldn't know how you cook mackerel. I really wouldn't have the faintest idea. So we didn't bother. Uh, posing on a yacht in the papers today, uh, a drug smuggler. He's been fined £200,000. He's repaying it at £6 a week. It's a joke, really, isn't it? When it's, I, mean, I think when they say, oh, how much can you afford? Oh, this. There was a woman the other day done for benefit fraud. She uh, cheated something like £60,000. And, uh, and they said, well, she doesn't have any money. No, because she spent it on holidays and things like that. And you think, well, we should start taking it back. Otherwise, there's no deterrent for anybody, is there? You could just go out there and, uh, and steal whatever you want and then go, well, I haven't got any money. And so they go, well, how do you propose paying it back? Well, I don't know. I haven't got any money. So they don't bother. They turn up on the, uh, on the television in, uh, in reality shows. And then they find out it, like Ella, Hen- and Ella Henderson's father who was part of a, of, a, of a crooked gang who was stealing money off people. Uh, in the papers, loads of pictures of uh, runway royalty. That would be the Naomi Campbells, Cara Delevingne, Kate Moss, people like that would be runway royalty. There's a certain sort of person who does catwalk. but well, they, they call it runways, but we actually call it catwalk modelling. Also, Meghan Markle's royal debut with Harry. She went to the uh, Invictus Games in her hometown, but they stayed in a hotel. Perhaps she's only got a little place. Perhaps she can't afford anything. But I don't know what, what property prices are like in uh, in Toronto. I've never thought about it, actually. I'm always quite curious to sort of go around the world and find out if anything's worth, you know, money. Front page of The Sun today. It's not a good story. This is picking up again on Ben Stokes. Now, Ben Stokes is suspended at the moment over some footage which was recorded on somebody's phone. Dreadful quality, I thought. Really bad quality. But uh, it appears to to show him getting involved in an altercation. However, the video that now emerges is... Uh, and I had to sort of check whether... Is it actually him? It is him. And what he's doing, he's poking fun at Katie Price's disabled uh, son, Harvey. Uh, and about him using a certain word which he did on television. And what he's done, he's done this to camera. Which makes me think, either he's mad as a fruitcake... Because if you're well-known, if you're somebody... And I didn't know who he was, but he recorded it himself. And so people go, I mean, you'd have to be really stupid to do something like that, knowing immediately that she would spring to his defence, because he's only a boy, and, uh, and to say, what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? Are you really that stupid? The answer is, quite clearly, he must be. He filmed himself taking the mickey out of Harvey who's got severe disabilities. So quite cr- clearly, she's, uh, she's sort of said, who is he? Why is, why is this person saying this about my son? Which is quite right. I mean, you can imagine how she's feeling about it. She's probably a bit fed up. Admittedly, we're all fairly fed up when we discover that Harvey, at his age, actually knew a word like that. Where he got that from, we've got no idea. And, um, and then there's another bloke here over a, over a BBC announcer. He can't say certain letters. And so he's having an awful lot of trouble... Uh, pronouncing T-H. 
He can't pronounce TH. I'm, I don't propose to go through the words which he can't pronounce, but anything with TH in comes out as, a, as another letter of the alphabet. And that's as far as I'm going. You can work it out for yourself, but uh, you'd think by now they would, uh, they would have found somebody who can sort of at least try and speak. Although that, that's, it's probably now people get funny about something. You know, you go, but somebody's got a speech impediment. They go, well, that shouldn't stop him being an announcer. You go, well, actually, it should. It really should. You know, you, you should be able to speak, you know, without people going, what did he say? Mind you, we had it from one of the BBC breakfast show presenters, didn't we? He obviously knows rude words as well. Having been told he's a good Christian boy, I'm not too sure where he's getting the words from. I, I heard that. Did I hear that? I heard that this morning, didn't I? Oh, no, actually, somebody else played it to me. I've just remembered. And uh, you think, good Lord above, honestly, I've never done anything like that. Why would you? Got an inbuilt thing. Also, the Tango Bango, uh, Aston Merigold, bless his heart. His training, uh, Aston was in a little group called JLS. You might not have heard of them. And, um, th- yeah, and I, I couldn't tell you any of their songs. Isn't that awful when I can't think of any of their songs? But I'm sure they had a few. But uh, his training's been thrown into crisis. He dropped his partner headfirst onto the floor. Which, of course, is not very good. He's also a very good dancer. He's a bit like Debbie McGee. Well, it's not like Debbie McGee at all. He never went out with Paul Daniels and he can't do magic tricks. But apart from that, you know, they're very similar in that he, he dances, Debbie McGee dances as well. She's very experienced. I mean, she was a a royal ballet dancer, so she knows all about it. The British Army are not going so well. £440 million replacements for the death trap snatch Land Rovers, which are breaking down in hot weather. The Army are saying, the actual boys on manoeuvres, these desert patrol cars, they say they're breaking down in the heat. And the Army are going, we think they're okay. And you're going, well, you're not driving them. The boys who are driving them are saying they break down in the heat. You know, the thermal imaging night vision they've got. Cameras give the uh, the drivers 360-degree um, vision. Plus, they've got weapon mounts for shoulder-controlled machine guns. Uh, two-man crew driving the Foxhound, which carries four combat troops. We just don't seem to get anything right, do we, really? So they're all complaining about them. It was only a short while ago we were complaining about boots. We didn't have the right equipment. We couldn't get enough shoes for them. You think, we're like the pauper's army, aren't we, really? How we ever get anything done is totally beyond me. But we do. But we do. Plus, here he is. Uh, That's crook Jeremy Meeks. He's become shipmates with Chloe Green's folks on their yacht. They must be delighted. This is a bloke who spent most of his time in prison and he's now on a £100 million yacht. He must be rubbing his hands with glee. But uh, all very interesting. And the pet lizard. It's a two-day-old story, this one. I don't know why they've, uh, why they've done it now. The family have a lizard. It's one of these... I think they call it a monitor lizard. I don't like anything like that. I'm just... You know, some people go, Oh, we've got a monitor lizard. You go, Why can't you just get a pussycat or a dog like anybody else or a budgerigar? No, we've got a monitor lizard. So this thing dies. They wake up in the morning and it's slumped over its water bowl. So they take it to the vet. And the vet goes, It's dead. So they take it home... And they bury it. The following day, it turns up at the back door again. It's crawled out of the ground. It's come back to life. Now, either it's an incompetent vet or these animals are very good at playing dead. I know that if you're in the Antarctic, they've discovered that there are... Is it fish out there? Yeah, I think it was definitely fish. That can be frozen in ice. Frozen ice. They don't move. And then the moment it thaws, they're out swimming again. They can lower their body resistance down. And crabs as well. They lower, and crustaceans, they lower their body temperature down so they can survive in thick 
ice. And they, they had one of these, I think it, I'm sure it was some sort of fish. Anyway, whatever it was, this thing survived. And when they, they thawed it out, it just swims away quite normally. And so this pet lizard digs... Oh, sorry, I do beg your pardon. A month it was buried. A month! I don't know whether they're used to being buried like that. But anyway, out it comes again. I could never get friendly with a lizard. Seriously, I've, it's like, you know, people go, oh, could you get friendly with a budgerigar? You go, well, I've seen a little girl on the television with her budgerigar, and that looks OK. And then I look at this thing here, and I think, it's like people who, who want snakes. Keep snakes and pet rats. You see, I couldn't even keep, oh, no. Mice was bad enough. I had a cousin, John. Well, I've still got a cousin, John. And uh, he used to keep mice. And when we go round there, he used to say, oh, we, here, he's actually got two mice. Oh, no, he's got 500. And uh, because my, that's all mice do. They just breed. They just breed. They just have more babies and more babies and more babies. And, uh, and you think, that's great, but I never got into mice either. The nearest we got was a hamster. And then we had a second hamster, which wasn't as friendly as the first one, which was a shame. First one was used to being handled. Second one wasn't. And if you don't handle them, they can give you a nasty little nip when you're trying to pick them up. But uh, mice and oh, rats. Can't think of anything worse, actually, than sort of somebody with a, with a pet rat. That was that song, Ben, wasn't it, by Michael Jackson? You know, Ben, the two of us, we're not no more. Lovely. Prince Harry in the paper, uh, together with the, the MP who refuses to say sorry. And, uh, and this is the Labour MP, Emma Dent Code, who's caused a little bit of an upset. She said, basically, that uh, 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 Harry just sits in a helicopter going vroom, vroom, which, of course, demeans what Harry does. I mean, I don't know. Uh, although a friend of mine said, no, he, he definitely flies... Helicopter, but does he fly helicopter? We couldn't get this right the other day. We don't know if he flies helicopters as the main pilot or if he's co-pilot. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure whether or not. And did he see? Has he seen active service or has he seen training for it? That's another thing I'm not sure about. Or is it, as the producer explained to me, the fact that they don't like to tell you where the royals are going because it's secret? But now it's all finished, and he's not. He's not doing that anymore because he does charity. Whether or not that's different. But she, she said, I'm not saying sorry. I think she's basically trying to make him come out and say that, yes, he does fly helicopters, but he's the co-pilot. But, of course, the royals never answer to things like that. They're never going, they're never going to be saying anything at all. They just sort of leave it. I mean, one Tory MP wants her to resign because she actually dared to have an opinion. Uh, she will be speaking to Nick later on this morning. This is the, the one who wants her to, to, to resign. Because people get a bit funny, don't they? How dare you say that about Prince Harry? And you go, well, you know, I thought we were a fairly free country. We do have freedom of speech. If she has an opinion, uh, she's... Uh, I don't think it matters who she supports. She, well, there are obviously people who are supporters of Harry and other people think he just sort of faffs around with a couple of charities and has a girlfriend and that's it. It's not exactly hard work. It's not exactly like, you know, if you were in the army... That's hard work. A friend of mine builds helicopters. He actually can, you know, dismantle helicopters and put them back together again for the British Army. That's what he does. And he learned how to do it. He didn't, he didn't know how to do it a few years ago. Now he's learned how to do it, which I think is amazing. I can't even... I can barely put petrol in a car. Seriously, you struggle putting petrol in a car nowadays. When you first get a car, you go, where's the petrol tank? Oh, it's on the wrong blooming side. Why can't they just have them all on the same side? Why can't they all be on the right? My latest one is... No, sorry. Yes, my latest one is on the right. All the other cars have been on the left. 
which means you pull it. Yours, everything's on the left. This one, the latest one, is on the right. So, of course, when you pull into the garage, you've got to go, oh, my goodness sake, I've now got to reverse back and then go back into something. It's just so pointless, it really is. But anyway, she's, uh, she's not going to apologise. Meanwhile, Prince Harry's having a bit of a laugh with Emily. So what have they said now? He's obviously getting broody. Well, because he plays with a child. I mean, I've got godchildren, you know, when they were growing up, when they were the age of this little girl here. I didn't get broody, you know, where they sat on my lap and sort of poked their finger in your eye a few times, you know, and then you just gave them back to their mother. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) You you play with them now. So they've got some nice pictures of Harry. And uh, here is uh, one of the, uh, the people with him. They say he's showing fatherly qualities. I mean, what a ridiculous thing to write. He, what do you mean fatherly qualities? He hasn't changed this child. He hasn't taken him out for a picnic or, so, or to a fun fair. He's just sat there. This little kid, he's got a bunch of popcorn, I think. And when he looks away, she puts her hand in the bag and takes some popcorn out. She's basically a common thief. She is the sort of person she should be locked up immediately. Her mother thought it was hilarious. Well, this sends out completely the wrong message, I think, to other parents. It's OK to steal food from Harry. You wait. A few years' time, when he's settled down with children of his own... You know, he won't be encouraging thieving, as this mother did. And, of course, you can't believe... I can see things out the corner of my eye. If I'm doing something, it's the the Artful Dodger started like this, the producer pointed out. In this life, one thing counts in the bank, large amounts. You know, and it was, you've got to pick a pocket or two. She's she's thieving popcorn, which can't be good for her because she's going to go round the bend, isn't she? It's like drinking sort of the orange juice. But they say this actually means that he's got fatherly qualities... His brother's got two children. What do you mean fatherly qualities? They do write rubbish in the papers, don't they? It's a case of, ooh, do you think that Meghan is about to get pregnant any time soon? No, I shouldn't think so. I shouldn't think so. I should imagine if he's feeling broody, then... And it's very rarely men feeling broody. It's mainly women feeling broody. I've not heard of men feeling broody. It's nice to have, you know, the 2.4 children or whatever you're supposed to have nowadays. Uh, or if you don't, you know, you can always sort of adopt some. Or failing that, you could just sort of play with the next-door neighbour's kids and then give them back at the end of the day. That's, you know, that's great. When my godchildren were growing up, it was sort of... You sort of become part of their life. You know, you cross the road... Hold hands. Come on, all holding hands. And we all cross the road like sort of the Sound of Music Von Trapp family. Must have looked ridiculous. But uh, now, of course, we don't do things like that. You know, we sort of... We sort of... We go out and we do lunch and everything else. But it didn't make me feel broody in any way, shape or form. I just I just saw them, really, as you go down there and you take sweets for them and chocolates and flowers for their mother, and that's it. That's how it works. I don't know how mothers cope nowadays. It's very stressful. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Talking about soup, Steve, uh, my daughter, Daisy, was bought a soup maker for Christmas. Actually, I bought one for the mother of my godchildren. She wanted a soup maker... And it does everything. Blend, cook and simmer. She makes soup for us all once a week and it's delicious. Seriously, creamy potato, carrot, onion and chilli. Yeah, it's, it's actually really simple to make. And, uh, and she wanted a soup maker. So soup maker she got. Well, actually, it was one of those things where she, I said, what do you want for Christmas? She said, I'd like a soup maker. So I said, all right, you, you go and buy the one you want and I'll just give you the money for it. And so that's what we do. There's no point in ending up with something for Christmas you don't really want, actually. Uh, my son told me recently, Steve, he's become a pescatarian. I said, does that mean you believe in Cod Peter? Thank you. Actually, I was, we, we got very confused the other day, didn't we, on what vegans can eat and what they can't eat. And it turns out there's most things they can't eat. It's really, really unusual. Because I bought a sandwich with the producer this morning, and it's an unusual one. It's a New York Deli veggie sandwich. I only realised it was veggie when I walked out. 
And it, it looked quite nice, but it's not... We Normally we do pastrami or something like that every so often as a treat. But uh, this, is, this is veggie. I don't know. God knows what it tastes like. I had, I had um, Wensleydale and carrot chutney the other week. That was actually more pleasant than I thought it was, because I'm not really a, a big cheese eater. Uh, Marilyn says, I cook Brussels in the same saucepan as potatoes. Then I mash them together. Well, that sounds good. That's a bit cold cannon, isn't it? But it's not Brussels. It's cabbage, isn't it? Cold cannon. I think. Kevin the Milkman says, I took my youngest son and two youngest stepdaughters to the temporary ice rink in Bath last year. They watched as I laced the ice boots up, thinking the old boy's going to make a fool of himself here. I took off uh, on the ice, forwards, backwards, fancy moves the lot, their chins dropped. I forgot to tell them I ice skated at Rumford Ice Rink, uh, rink for the years, uh, for years and years. Go me. Yeah, you see, that's always they go, oh, you can't do that, can you? And then all of a sudden you go, I can. There's a lovely film, which is, um, it's The Bishop's Wife, and in it, Cary Grant ice skates. But you know damn well it's not Cary Grant ice skating, because you can see that the camera's just on his face where he's sort of pretending. And then when you see him ice skate, you can see it's somebody else completely different, but they're trying to pretend it's Cary Grant. It's one of those films that doesn't quite work very well at all. Um, another one here. This is, uh, oh, it's Selena Gomez looking hot as mustard because she's got a hair scrape back and she's wearing a mustard coloured top in New York out for a walk. For whatever reason, I've got no idea. They seem to think that warrants a picture nowadays. Model goes for walk. And we go, wow, amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Uh, also, we've got a picture of the Oktoberfest. And this is Usain Bolt. The Oktoberfest is where a lot of people go out and it's Lederhosen. And you drink uh, pints of lager and you get busty barmaids wearing dirndls and they're carrying about 20 or 30 pints at the same time. And you just drink and drink and it's all songs and umpa bands and stuff like that. And it's, it's quite famous, the Oktoberfest. In fact, actually, it's very famous. A lot of people like going there. But the funny thing is, it doesn't seem to attract, well, it didn't do until a few years ago, sort of the drunken rowdy crowd. It's, it's very traditionally something that the Germans do, and they've been doing it for years. And I think they did it over here. They tried to bring over uh, Oktoberfest to here, to Winter Wonderland. Uh, in the same way, they've got a place in Vienna, in the Prater, called the uh, Schweizer House. And all they serve there is beer and knuckles of pork. And so the knuckle of pork arrives on a, on a wooden platter, and you just sort of cut off bits that you want and have it. The Oktoberfest here is... This is the London Oktoberfest... Be lots of, uh, of young Frauleins. What to expect there? Uh, booze. German beer and food. And so this is running, I think, from... Uh, it's in Millwall Park. Doesn't quite sound the same, does it? Millwall Park presents the Oktoberfest. They've got a giant tent for thousands of people. And it will be as authentic as they can make it. Uh, the waiters... Sorry, the waitresses and waiters are dressed in dirndls and lederhosen. I bet they won't all be German. I bet they won't be German. I bet the So where are you from? I'm from Poland. OK. Do you wear dirndls? No, of course you don't. But uh, the tent is filled with long tables. And then you get beer, specially made. And then you sing along. And sometimes you stand on the, on the benches and stuff like that. And you join in. And it's sort of... It's a way of getting drunk, but doing it in sort of a nicer way than if you were in Ayanapa or something like that. That would be completely different. And so you can have your sausages and your food and all the rest of it. And people people seem to like it. I've never been. It's, it's never um, interested me in the slightest. I mean, I, I like the idea of, uh, of dirndls and lederhosen and stuff like that, because it's one of the only places, Vienna, that I've ever been to, where you see people walking around in traditional Austrian garb. 
You do see girls wearing dirndls. You do see men who've come in from Bavaria wearing lederhosen. They don't think it's a costume. They just wear it because that's what they wear. You go outside of Vienna, you go to some of the little villages, and you will see people... And it's not done as a tourist gimmick. Whereas, in fact, if you come to London, I suppose it would be sort of men with a copy of the FT under their arms, a rolled-up umbrella, and a bowler hat. That would be sort of... Well, nobody wears that anymore. Occasionally you see somebody looking like that. Very, very occasionally. But it's uh, it's unusual. It's also a place at London Bridge called uh, Katzenjammers, which is an underground beer hall, a German beer hall, and on a Friday and Saturday night, the brass band plays pop songs like Take On Me by Aha and Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis, and everybody sings and dances. Do you love it? All right. It's a bit like the the rugby in Twickenham. When they have the rugby there, we have a, a DJ down at the Barmy Arms, and everybody sings along to Hi-ho, silver lining, and then we do... Oh, I could fly neath the wings. And before you've heard, you know, everybody's singing, cheer up, sleepy, cheer. Everybody loves it. And when you hear 2,000 people singing it, you kind of get caught up in the atmosphere. You don't even need to have alcohol, which I haven't had for ages. It's, uh, it's just one of those things. It's just it's something very infectious about community singing. Something very infectious about this programme. That's why we're here till 7 o'clock this morning. News at 5 is coming up very shortly on LBC. The experts are warning the war with North Korea is a real possibility. It depends how far they're both going to push it. Ken Dodd says he's 90 very soon. He says, but I'll never retire because I love my job. Bucks Fizz are back with a new name, a new member and a new album. Uh, the players' fury at the rollover farce on Lotterham. How has it managed to get to £155 million? It's because it's nigh on impossible to win. They've added extra balls and, frankly, might as well go whistling in the wind. Highest lottery win, I think, was £161 million. Prince Harry tells young people, look up from your phones and get involved. It's one thing we never see him on. Never pictured on his phone, perhaps as some unwritten rule. And a hero? No. Hugh Hefner's legacy is toxic for all women. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. I know. We are whizzing through. This weekend, it's going to be October, which means more leaves off the trees, which means rain, which means chilly, which means miserable, which means overcast, which means those dark, dank mornings where you long for a bit of sunshine as people who are affected by seasonal affected disorder sit there going, not again. Here we go. But uh, we head ever closer, don't we? Now into October. Well, very shortly anyway, because we've got one more day to go. Uh, which means that Sunday is the first. And I will be here on Sunday. I'm here tomorrow morning, actually, as well. And in conversation this week, the like of which you will delight in. For fans of ABBA, Benny Anderson is going to be with me. He's got a new album out. Uh, Somebody said to him at Deutsche Grammophone, they said, um, uh, how do you fancy doing an album of just you playing the piano with uh, some of your tunes and some standard tunes? And so that's what he's done in his own recording studio. Uh, outside of Stockholm, I think he's on his own, he's got his own island, and uh, he just sat down with his piano, and he just plays. There's no orchestra, there's no nothing, it's what they call stripped back to basics, and it's lovely, it really is lovely, we got on really well. He's such a lovely man, and he sent a message to me the other day saying he really enjoyed our conversation, so that was very nice, always very pleasing when somebody says that. And the other lady, who I've seen practically naked, hold that thought, is Leslie Joseph. And uh, Leslie Joseph got changed in the back of my car once, but she did remind me that I have seen her in her bra and pants in her bathroom, but it was a long, long time ago. She's uh, currently to be found just over the road in Young Frankenstein, and uh, at the age of, well, I hope she won't mind me telling you, 71, she uh, is in remarkably 
good health and uh, bouncy, effervescent. And we talk about everything. Birds of a feather we talk about. Uh, They've got a Christmas special coming up. And we talk about Strictly. We talk about all sorts of things because she just never seems to stop working. But I think some people are like that, aren't they? They just they get into the business and they thrive on being in it. When they stop working, there's a lovely lady called Anne Emery. Uh, Anne Emery was in Billy Elliot. And she was in it. I think she was the longest-serving member of cast. She played uh, the grandmother in it. And she was absolutely amazing. And then Billy Elliot closed within a very short space of time, literally a very short space of time, Anne Emery passed away. Because that show was her life. It absolutely was her life. She didn't know what to do without the show. And I firmly believe that in the business, people love it so much. And I think you'll find the same with Leslie Joseph. She absolutely loves it. So she was telling us all about young Frankenstein and meeting Mel Brooks and everything else. And uh, Benny... Anderson will be telling us about ABBA and uh, how they got together and how they weren't sure what to wear for Eurovision. But they thought if they wore something a little bit sort of over the top, people would notice them. They weren't bothered if the record sank without trace. But of course it didn't because they won Eurovision with Waterloo in 1974. But uh, they'd never worn stuff like that before. They had another group. He has an orchestra as well, which he takes around. I mean, he's he's such a nice man. Seriously, you know, you always imagine... I've always said... Anybody always says to me, oh, what's so-and-so like? What were they like? And I always go, the bigger the star, the easier they are to talk to. Because they don't need to do the attitude. They don't need to do the, I'm the big I am. They're just very easygoing. We learnt that with, you know, going back, way back in the archives. You know, people like Dustin Hoffman and Billy Crystal and people like that. The order, and Kit Harrington. The bigger they are, you know, the better they are. Because they've been there. They've been there and they've done it. And they know that everybody's just doing a job. The ones who... Um, who can be slightly prickly, are the ones who actually haven't done very much. They're trying to justify doing it. And we've all bumped into them. You know, you could probably write a book about those people you go, well, that one was a bit of trouble, or this one was a little bit edgy, and this one went, oh, I don't have any pictures taken, all that kind of thing. We've all got stories about people. I have quite a few stories, as you can well imagine. Uh, The Maddie cops given one last chance, they say, but they haven't said that. If you read between the lines, in fact, you don't even need to read between the lines, what they've said is... um, they're, they're, you know, they'll they'll do this until March. hundred and I think one hundred and fifty four thousand pounds or something like that, which will last them till March, um, and then they'll see. Because I don't see how they can stop it. I know you're all very divided on this. You're saying because it's now eleven point two million pounds on one child, on one child. Now, if you were the parent of that child, you'd be grateful for everything, and you'd be thinking, well, maybe no more, and that's probably what the majority of you are thinking. Certainly judging by your emails and your texts, that's what you're thinking. If you're the McCanns, though, you're going, we're never going to give up. But as as Darren Adams said earlier on, Madeleine McCann, if she's still alive, God willing, she probably isn't Madeleine McCann anymore. She's probably somebody else. She probably doesn't know Madeleine McCann. She could be, and she'd be 14 now. She could be speaking another language. I mean, it could be anything. But because they know nothing... They know nothing. They have no leads, no CCTV, no eyewitnesses, nothing. Zilch, no clothing, not even an item of clothing. Not even an item of clothing, not even a toy, not anything. They are literally just clutching at straws. And so it goes on. This is one last chance, they say in the mirror, but it's not one last chance. Because what they've actually said is they'll, they'll see what, you know, what happens when they actually get to, um, to March and see whether or not they... Uh, they put any more money in, which I suspect they might have to. 
Because what, what do you do? Do you just stop funding? But there again, there's all the other parents who now go in the papers saying, well, you know, we lost a child some years ago. We haven't had this sort of coverage. I don't know why Madeleine McCann warrants this much coverage when you look at the amount of children who go missing. And I suppose it's because they then met the Prime Minister. He then became involved. And, uh, and that way... And also... The fact that they were two very middle-class people. You seem to be going, oh, because they're middle-class people. If this had been just a single mother from a sink estate in Newcastle or wherever it happens to be, people would be completely different. 11 million? Don't think so. That's what people would be like. Now they're saying it about the McCanns, going, had you not gone off that night? Now, they've heard this a million times. If they've heard it once, and any family listening with children would be saying, well, if they didn't have a babysitter, why would they be left there? Most people take their children to restaurants and they fall asleep in the restaurant, in their pushchairs. They, of course, had three, three children, but Madeline would have been 14. And that's why, as I say, if, if a child disappears at three and then comes back at 14, how is she going to remember who Madeline McCann is? How is she supposed to remember anything? She wouldn't remember anything at all. She might have grown up in a different family if she was abducted. But because we don't know, it's clutching at straws. We can sit here and say she was abducted by a spaceship. It probably has a, as much credibility as anything else. So 154,000 goes into the coffers, and uh, this is for them to tie up loose ends, they've said. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, Prince Harry and the girl who steals the popcorn. We don't know who the girl is. Well, we, we have a name for the girl, but we don't know why her mother is privileged to sit next to Prince Harry, who eats popcorn. Isn't it funny? You never thought he'd eat popcorn. And... Um, uh, they seem to be quite happy, and then he's sort of doing a bit of gurning with it. As you do with children, every time I see children in Paul Cooper's shop, I go, hello. <laughs> and sometimes they laugh, and sometimes they hide their face and things like that. They're very funny children. I seem to have an affinity with them. It's probably a mental thing, I should imagine. I'm probably mentally their age. Uh, kissing Geo. Yes, it's Debbie McGee. She's looking for a bit of action in the show. Paul would like it. Not a lot. But he'd like it. She says the clinch was showbiz. Exactly. It's showbiz. That's what people in showbiz do. People in showbiz... I cast myself as being on the periphery of show business. I'm on the, I'm on the outer circle, the cusp of show business. I sort of, uh, I sort of kiss people. I do air kissing. Can't help it. That's what, that's what you do, isn't it, really? You, sort of, you like doing things like that. And, uh, and she does it because she's on a dancing programme. And so you've got to make it look believable. I mean, don't believe every time somebody kisses somebody in a movie, they're, they're sort of serious about it. They're just doing it because it's called acting. People do acting nowadays. You know, people will be doing acting in bars this evening. Hello, I really like you. That means, would you like to come back for a cup of coffee? You know, hello, darling, do you want a kebab? That means, should we get one on the way back to my place? You know, there's all sorts of, you know, <laughs> I couldn't. You know, that guy, oh, right. And, uh, and you get outside and they go, oh, we'll have to get the bus over the road. Run. You go, bus over the road? I don't think so. I'll go back inside the bar again. Boycott Ryanair, they're saying. Why? Why boycott Ryanair? Admittedly, it's turning into a little bit of a, a disaster because now it turns out there's even more passengers who've been affected. And you sort of think to yourself, can it get any worse for Michael O'Leary? And the answer is possibly. Will people go back to it? That was a subject of discussion yesterday. And saying that because they're giving vouchers out. Well, once you've used your voucher, would you want to use Ryanair again? The answer is, of course you would, because it's a budget airline. That's the reason that you're flying them, because it's cheap. You're not flying for the food. You're not flying for, you know, the amiable cabin crew. You're flying because it's cheap. 
And that's why, you know, some of their routes are very cheap, but now they sort of add up. We want to take this size bag on, that can't go in the hold, that's extra, this is it, and all that kind of stuff. But it's cheap. That's why people are flying it. And so now there are people saying, you know, they should be boycotted because uh, they've hiked the fares up. Uh, the pilots have said that the crisis could get worse. But we're very, we're very quick to forget. Very quick to forget nowadays. So one minute we're all, you know, up in arms about it. I was only saying to somebody the other day, we were talking about the, the hurricane in America. I said, nobody talks about it now. You tend not to think about the fact that there are those people who don't have anything at all. Their houses have gone, flattened, gone completely, everything gone. Because it was sort of yesterday's news. At the moment, we're sort of suffering. I think there are three volcanoes. Vanuatu has started uh, spewing forth. There's the one which is under Naples or over Naples, which could affect a million and a half. And there's one in Bali as well. All of a sudden, we've gone mad. We've obviously offended somebody if you're going to end up with three volcanoes. And, and you look at them and they go, oh, and some people, especially in Bali, the problem is there, there are farmers who've got little small holdings in the shadow of the volcano. They're not leaving their cattle. What are they supposed to do with them? So they're literally stoically staying on. And the authorities have said, you need to move... No, we're not leaving it. And you can't force somebody unless you physically drag them away from it. They go, this is my farm. I've got cattle here. We're growing stuff. And it... Yeah, but you might not have any of this. And they're prepared to risk it. They're prepared to risk it. I suppose, as in the case of Pompeii, when that one went up years ago, Vesuvius, and people were sort of saying, oh, we're not going to run. And the pyroclastic cloud, before they knew what, had hit them quite badly. And so it just devastated it. We've seen it time and time again. But until it actually happens and these things blow their tops, and they do as the magma rises inside and forms a different shelf, and then eventually it can't go anywhere else but up. And that's when it shoots, you know, miles into the air, and you can see it for thousands of miles around. And that's what's happening, I think, at Vanuatu uh, and Bali, where there's little pockets of it. You can they're, they're They're monitoring it so closely. But can you get people to move? No, you can't, because they won't, because they've got businesses there. And this is for people who don't, don't really have a lot, actually. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I love it when somebody finds something in a cupboard, ladies and gentlemen, and you go, oh, that's nice. And the one thing that is saleable at the moment, and the one thing that is guaranteed to get the best prices in the sale rooms is Chinese porcelain. The Chinese are keen as mustard at the moment to buy back... Basically, their history. So things fetch. Remember that little tiny dish that turned up the other day? It was a particular sort of porcelain owned by an emperor. And this little tiny dish, five inches across, 10 million. 10 million. And people will travel. There is huge amounts of money in China to buy back their history, which has disappeared abroad. And here is an old plate kept in a kitchen cupboard. It's a 13-inch piece of uh, China, which is nearly 300 years old. It's going to go under the hammer today. The owner inherited it from her granny, who kept it for decades in her Derbyshire kitchen. It carries the mark for the Emperor Yongzheng, and it dates back to 1723 to 1735. The auctioneer, who is Charles Hansen, you know Charles Hansen, you've seen him on the... I love him, I think he's fantastic, he's got great personality... Uh, he says, when we revealed replicas in the National Museum of China and the Guangdong Museum, it became hot property. So bidders have travelled from China to have a look at it. It could fetch 150000 However, if two people want it, the sky's the limit. Because if somebody really wants something this rare, 300 years old, and uh, it's from the Emperor Yongzheng, 
my Chinese pronunciation gets better because I lived over there. And uh, it could it could it could double that money easily. You know, before you know where you are, you're looking at something really serious. So uh, to the lady who's having it sold, good luck. Good luck. Little piece in the paper today about inflatables that people take on holiday. Who takes inflatables on holiday? I thought everybody bought them on holiday. You go on holiday and you go, oh, did we bring the lilo or anything like that? And you go, no, we didn't bring the lilo. And so you buy something over there because they're so cheap. But people take these over there. A duck. I mean, I don't know what age that would be aimed at. Probably quite young. A pineapple. An inflatable... Who has an inflatable pineapple? A swan. A watermelon. A pizza slice. I didn't even know they made these things. I just thought they looked like boats or something. A flamingo, a unicorn, a crocodile, a lilo, which is the the normal one that we had. You know, blow up the pillow and then you float out to sea. And a donut. That's just like a rubber ring, isn't it, really? Uh, more on the uh, the war with North Korea, a real possibility. The experts say now, that's from a UK defence uh, expert. Uh, any conflict would drag on with heavy losses on both sides, according to the Royal United Services Institute. North Korea, led by Kim Jong-un, is intent on developing long-range nuclear missiles, an aim that US President Donald Trump has vowed to thwart. Because I'm assuming the moment they do set off anything that looks like it's likely to head in the direction of America, the Americans will send up something which will intercept it. That's generally how it uh, works. But something will eventually get through. It's, uh, it's the two... Well, you can't even call North Korea a superpower. He might have the power, whether he's got the longevity and whether he's got the stamina to keep it going, I've got no idea, because they could inflict huge losses in North Korea. Huge losses. Uh, also, the second largest Euro Millions prize ever. City bankers gambling thousands. Uh, £155 million pounds tonight. That would certainly change your life. And it means that you could become, as I pointed out the other day, a philanthropist. Which means that you could be the sort of person who can help lots of other people out. People who are less fortunate. And uh, Because, I mean, you have to ask yourself the question, how much money would it take to actually live for the rest of your life. And people have said that to me before when I was saying the other day about, you know, if I won so much money, I'd give this much to my brother, I'd make various bequests and stuff like that. And they said, what happens if you earned more than that? So it would still be the same. Still be the same. And then you could, you know, when you you pass on, you do a will because that's what you you aim to do. Although for Hugh Hefner's widow, uh, they'd already done a prenup. So she's not going to be inheriting 42 million or anything like that. But she'll be looked after. You know, as indeed they will they will make sure, because otherwise she'll create merry hell. Uh, There's also a horrible story in the paper today of uh, the carers who hit and abused a blind grandmother of 95. Uh, These are two people here. Uh, The daughter of her, uh, she was filmed being horrifically abused by two care home staff and she's blasted a judge. Why? He spared them prison. I don't know what you have to do in this country. This is a 95 year old woman and... um, Uh, One of them, who's called uh, Diaz, uh, Pedro Diaz. The other one is called Piotr Cicilowski, a scene dumping her forcibly on a mattress. One of them, Diaz, who's 21, threatened to break every bone in her body. These are people in a care home. People in a care home. And uh, he also slapped her in the face. I mean, to be honest with you, you're probably thinking as I am at the moment, aren't you? And uh, she was pleading for help. Uh, one of them, uh, Cheslowski, failed to stop the other bloke or report his actions and branded the victim a silly bitch. They admitted ill-treatment at this care home in Macclesfield. Uh, the judge, who saw the film in private, called their actions cruel and anything but caring 
and they gave them suspended sentences. Well, you go and enjoy yourselves, boys. You know, it's absolutely appalling, isn't it? Absolutely appalling. You know, afterwards, the uh, the daughter says, so two big men treat a blind woman of 95 like that but walk free. What does the sentence say about how society cares for the elderly? They couldn't give a toss. They couldn't give a toss. What possible reason for people who abused a 95-year-old could you possibly have for letting them walk free? What message does that send out? She said, I'd feared mum wasn't getting proper care. She had bruises on her wrists and I felt my concerns were not being listened to. She was blind. Blind. It's absolutely dreadful. You know, apparently Diaz tried to pin some blame on failings in the care home, which strongly refuted his accusations. This is this is the tip of the iceberg, I bet you, ladies and gentlemen. The tip of the iceberg. We get more and more cases in the papers where somebody will put hidden cameras in somewhere to make sure that their parents, you know, all of a sudden, or their mother, their father, their auntie, their uncle, you know, that they, they got bruised. Where did they get the bruises from? Oh, they fell out of bed. So they put hidden cameras in and they find out. You know, it's it's just appalling. But uh, last night, one of them, Diaz, says, I want to apologise to the lady and her family. I'm ashamed. Uh, That night I was a monster. There's no excuse. You should be in prison. You should be left in prison for a long, long time. I mean, really, absolutely dreadful. Uh, The only thing you need to take abroad with you on holiday, a friend of mine says, is tea bags, along with the family. Yes, I I agree with you. Although, actually, I've heard of people before. when When I used to go out to... Austria, some years ago, people used to say to, oh, right, Steve, can you bring out um, uh, things for us? You'd have to take out sausages, ketchup, all sorts of things they couldn't get. Marmite. You couldn't get these things you know, many years ago, truthfully. Now now you can buy it, but it's terribly expensive out there. And so it was all the little things, but sausages were their big weakness. Walls pork sausages. They had to have walls pork sausages. Nothing. And this is an, for, for, from a country where they're awash with sausages, which I absolutely love. Uh, this friend of mine is also excited for my brother and tonight's Euro Millions jackpot. This is the one who was querying the other day. So if you win, your brother's going to get 10 million. I said, absolutely. I don't want to spoil him too much. You can buy a nice house. He can afford to retire and um, and uh, and do whatever else he wants. He'll just go fishing. That's all he'll do. He'll just go fishing. He could, he could probably happily spend the rest of his life sitting there by the side of a carp lake, fishing for carp. And then, as with all fishermen, don't ask me how it works, but they... Uh, they, they just take pictures. So the carp comes out, and then they've got both their hands cupped like that, and then somebody takes a picture of the carp, and then they put it back in. What is the point of that? What is the point of fishing? It comes under those pointless sports the other day, where golf turned out to be the most boring sport ever. Hit the ball from here, get it in the little hole. No. Pick up the ball, walk to the hole, drop it in. OK? And why would you bother putting... Oh, how many more shots? You Another shot, you've missed it. Another shot, you've missed it. Oh, you're in the rough. Of course you are. Of course you are. Pick up the ball, drop it in the hole. Done it. There you go. That's all you need to worry about. Or if you're really bad, do crazy golf at the seaside and then everybody's happy. Get it through the windmill. Get it through the little... It goes all the way like that. And then at the end of it, you go and let's go and have an ice cream. Because you spend about five quid each on doing it. But uh, but people love golf. They become obsessed with it. Pringle jungers and farrow trousers. Uh, farrow trousers. They just love it. I can't see it. Perhaps it's the clubhouse thing. Perhaps it's being a member of a club where you sit in there and go, oh, three today, three shot on the 18th, marvellous. I don't know, number six iron, seven, I don't know what irons they've got. Why you'd want to go out there and start doing your washing and ironing, I've got no idea, but people do. And then they've got, this is my caddy, and so you've got the caddy who sort of drags the thing around. Get one of those buggies, you know, drag the caddy behind you. You get to the thing and you go, OK, we're trying to, 
What, from here? You want me to get it into that little hole over there? It was a stupid... That people watch it. They were on the television. I've watched golf on the television. You sit there and they go and thwack. And the camera just goes up in the air. It's not following anything. just goes up in the air and I go, where? It's not there. It's not there. And the commentator sort of starts whispering and the ball's coming down. And uh, very good. Very good. That's very close. And you think, where? Where is the ball? I cannot see the ball. I watched it go up in the air and that was the last I ever saw of it. And then they go, and here it is. Oh, we're going to get it again. He's got a birdie. And I think, does he? What does that mean? And an eagle. You have an eagle and a birdie and I think that I think these people drink. I think that's what it comes down to. There's an albatross as well as the I know there's all these different irons that they've got and apparently if you're into golf you buy a golf bag. You can see them going out there wearing their Pringle jumpers and they've got a golf bag with all their different things in there. Sorry? Clubs. Best name for them I think. Clubs. Odd isn't it really? How you can not be into something. Well, show me a pair of Speedos. I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy. I'm diving off the top board. Not. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's amazing how many groups come back, isn't it, from the 60s and 70s. So you've got uh, Steps, who are touring again. Five, six, seven, eight. Roop, scoot, and baby is dry. In fact, I think you've got me on YouTube dancing with Steps. I think doing... I was, I was recording something else. I had to rush upstairs. So I hadn't learnt the dance. And I was, and I was, I did do it with steps. And uh, H was, well, nobody had any idea he was gay in those days. And uh, he was sort of dancing away, and it was all. And we had loads of people dancing in the atrium down at Stephen Street for Five's Company. And uh, I remember thinking it was quite, you know, five, six, seven, eight, roots go. And they they were miming to it then, so nothing really changed with the group. They just sort of carried on miming. Is it not on YouTube? Oh, it's a shame. Oh, just got me break dancing. Yes, best not to watch that one. Uh, Steve, uh, I sold my late uh, granddad's Chinese mahjong set made from real ivory on eBay. Right, yes. Actually, mahjong is very popular with it's very popular with a lot of people. It's like sort of playing drafts or something like that. It's just very noisy. Very, very noisy. Went for hundreds to a Chinese buyer. Well, they're buying back at the moment. It's this little bowl. I wish we had bowls. We lived in, we lived in Hong Kong. I've got various little things. I've got a ginger jar, which looks remarkably like the sort of thing you put your parents' ashes in. And, uh, and that came with ginger in a plastic bag, which we kept for years, years and years. My mother would take it out occasionally and slice a little bit off and uh, use it because ginger stays for ages. And I s- saw a lady the other day, and she eats raw ginger. She buys the, you know, the root and she just eats raw ginger. Supposed to be very good for you. Whether you can eat raw, I've got no idea. But uh, I was thinking that. Stephen in Montpellier says, uh, having been stationed in Germany. He says, sorry. Well, I mean, there's nothing the matter with being stationed in Germany. Loads of people were. For a long time, I obviously went to a few Oktoberfests. You don't drink pints of lager. You do if you're British. I know they're called steins. We've had steins. I bought one for my parents for Christmas ages ago. You can have a Anagrosa stein, which is a litre, which is around 2.2 pints. Either way, it just means you become an alcoholic slightly quicker than everybody else. But uh, you do get it. We actually call it pints, but I know it's steins that they drink over there. But you can buy some. You go to any of the shops in Vienna, uh, in Germany, anywhere, Bavaria, you'll find steins, some very ornate in fact, we've got one somewhere, and I don't know where it is. I bought it for my parents back in Germany ages ago. I wonder where that went to. We seem to have lost a whole box of things. Somewhere languishing in the corner of Pickford's or something like that is a box with all sorts of things on a camel stool, which we had, and a house that my father made, and a ship that my father made for my mother. He's a very good model maker, my dad. And, uh, and a stein. 
because I bought it for them as a, as a Christmas present ages and ages ago. Never used it. It was one of those, uh, what they call an, an ornamental stein, which means you just have it sitting on the side, but we don't actually put beer... Because my parents weren't, weren't particularly big drinkers. Sherry. Sherry was the big drink in the early days. Uh, so, uh, Bucks Fizz are back. They're now called Fizz. Partying harder than ever. 30 years ago, did I think, says Cheryl, I'd still be ripping my skirt off at 60? No, but here I am. And so they're out there. Bobby, Bobby looking uh, very good. No, Mike, not Bobby. Bobby's not in the group, is he? There was this, there was this, they had a bit of a, a contretemps, I believe, over sort of name and everything else. And so now they're not the fizz. Back on the road with a new album, giving the diehard rockers a run for their money. So they've got Cheryl Baker, Jay Aston, Mike Lolan and Bobby McVeigh. Who's the new one? Who looks remarkably like uh, the one that we don't talk about anymore because they had a bit of a falling out and all the rest of it. So they're back and they're touring. And the beauty secret, says Cheryl, is to drink too much, go to bed late, wake up early. That's that's the beauty secret. I know she's listening to LBC at the moment because she's a big fan of LBC. So we wish them the best. I saw them actually on the television the other day. I think they were on. Uh, oops, they were on uh, Loose Women, and uh, they were all on there. And poor Ruth hadn't done her research properly. And uh, said, oh, so you've got Bobby G here now. And they went, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. Because <laughs> people always get things like that wrong, don't they? And in fact, actually, she got a couple of things wrong. At one point, he came over and said, show me your research. Which, of course, was, uh, was the funny... There's nothing worse, is there? You know, you have somebody in to do something and you get it wrong. Or failing that, the worst thing you could do is mispronounce their name. Because sometimes... Who was the bloke that we did from Field of Dreams? If you build it, they will come. Who was that? Who? Ray, that's right. I called him Ray Liotta. Well, in America, it's Ray Liotta. And of course, but I mean, he, he accepted the fact that I was British and a little bit simple. So, so we kind of got away with it. But everybody else, Ray Liotta. To have him, yeah, he, he did this, this. Bearing in mind, after I'd done the interview, because James O'Brien had sort of given me some money. He said, well, it's a fiver, Steve, for yourself. And he said, can you get him to say, if you build it, they, they will come. So I said to him, listen, can you do this for one of our other presenters? Uh, who's not lucky enough to do the uh, the interview. And he said, oh, I don't want to do it. He was joking, of course. He was just sort of playing along. He said, no, I don't want to do it. He said, oh, OK, give me the thing. And so he recorded this. I'm Ray Liotta, and you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC. If you build it, they will come. He was so nice. But he calls him Ray Liotta. He calls himself Ray. And, of course, I, we, we call him Ray Liotta. But then I get everything wrong like that. You just have to hope that they don't pick up on it and go, actually, it's pronounced. Because then you start off on the wrong foot. You really get off on the wrong foot. Yes, Cara Delevingne next week, or Cara Delevingne, because it's an I. So I'm going to have to find out before she comes. I'm going to have to say something. It's Delevingne, Delevingne. And uh, see, I can do the other ones. I can do David Hasselhoff. I can do that quite easy. I don't have any problem with that at all. And, um, and Matt Lucas. I can do Matt Lucas, because in the early days, Matt Lucas was an LBC listener. I think he still probably listens now. But he, uh, you know, when he was young, when he was a young man, he was an LBC listener. He used to listen all the time. I know that because when we went down there, we went to see him doing Les Miserables. He was very naughty at Les Miserables. He was ad-libbing left, right and centre. You could tell he was doing it to make members of the cast laugh, which always works, actually. I think they got exactly the same with Michael Ball in Phantom of the Opera. He would make people corpse and people would try and make him corpse. Dreadful, dreadful corpse, which is always the worst thing when you try desperately not to. As we said the other day, if you really want to laugh, watch Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby. Laughing, it'll be something really stupid. She'll she'll do something, and he'll and he he's worse. It's, did they do it again earlier this week? They're always doing it. Something will happen. He did it with Fern as well, where something will happen. He'll then go, 
like that. And he'll go, he, he just doesn't do a little laugh, it keeps going. And then she picked up, and then she started laughing, and then she rolls back. It's, seriously, it's the funniest thing ever. Other people laughing is always terribly funny. And it, it, it's, if ever you want to be cheered up, then that would be the, uh, that would be the thing to watch, I think. Or listen to this programme, which is great. Uh, Friday. Steve, which is good. Yes, I like Friday. Actually, I like every day. I don't have a day of the week I, that I dislike. When people say, oh, I bet you hate Monday, I go, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, there's no lead, no nothing for Madeleine McCann. But a lot of money poured into this case. I would like to view the report, how the money is spent. Well, they've got a, a team of, of people. There's a team of people working on it. And what they're doing is they're trying to, like they do with every inquiry. The trouble is, because this one is, is uh, Pride de Luce and it's in Portugal, it's, it's even more difficult because they're based over here. They've been over there. They've been down into the storm drains. They've tried to do everything. It's, I mean, the apartment is just being let out now. They've just carried on doing it. I think the Portuguese people's had enough of it. And they went, listen, can we try and get back to Norway? We're trying to run a tourist industry. And they're going, excuse me, there's a child missing here. You can imagine how they feel. You know, every day, I should imagine. Well, I think we've already discovered, haven't we, that the McCanns have been trolled by more people saying, well, of course, you left her alone by herself. You think, don't think they weren't aware of that. Don't think that that hasn't been drummed into them every single day since it happened. Whether or not they can find something, I don't know. They've said they want the money to tie up loose ends, to make sure that they've done everything that they can. And then they're going to have to come to that stage, aren't they? Because, I mean, how much money do we, do we keep putting into it? I don't know. I'm quite sure that Nick Ferrari and James O'Brien and Ian Dale and everybody else and Sheila will be talking about this. Uh, on, you know, do we just keep putting money into it? Or do we say, that's it? Because it's not our decision. If it was your decision, I suspect that most of you would say, let's stop now because we're not, we're not going anywhere. If, we ha- if we've got a lead, then fine. If there is something to cling on to. But that's what they've got. They've got something to cling on to. They, um, you know, they, they want to make sure that they can find her again. But I just don't think it's going to be possible. But you can never let go of the thought that it might happen. Apparently, my friend says, there's a David Hasselhoff Museum in Berlin. Oh, there's not. Who's there? What's in it? Has it got Kit the car? The talking car? What on earth would be in a David Hasselhoff Museum? I sat next to him once in Joe Allen's years and years ago when he was with his, uh, his wife. Because he's now with the, uh, the Welsh girl. Used to work in a department store, and now she travels the world with him. And, um, and so he seems fairly happy. Because they brought Baywatch back, didn't they? I seem to remember, somewhere in the back of my mind, they brought Baywatch back. But, and I can't remember if they put him in it or he had a cameo role. Because he was always much older than everybody else. But I remember seeing him some years ago when he did um, pantomime over here. Because pantomime, for a lot of Americans, is a total anathema. They have no idea what it's about, you know, where boys play girls and, you know, you always have a transformation scene at the end and they start off all sort of dowdy and everything else. And then I'm looking at the Hasselhoff Museum. Good Lord. Apparently he sang the anthem for Berlin the day the, um, uh, uh, so, yeah, the, the one day tour down the wall. Oh, right. Good Lord. Because he's known actually abroad as a singer. He's known as a singer. The museum has got a mural of the Hoff, various photographs and a replica of the famous piano key scarf that he wore during his 89 performance at the Berlin Wall. Good heavens above. That's a museum to David Hasselhoff. Well, there you go. I wonder if he's visited. He must have visited, mustn't he? Must be one of those. If somebody makes a museum. Apparently, the, uh, the hostel management have gone as far as to campaign to Germany's Chancellor, Angela Merkel, 
to request the name of the street change to David Hasselhoffstrasse. Oh, quite nice, isn't it? I quite like a street named after me. I suspect it won't happen, but, you know, Steve Allen, cul-de-sac, or so. I can't think of anything else, actually. Rude Steve Allen. Rude Steve Allen. <laughs> That's a nice little play on words. I quite like that, actually. Somebody's having uh, creme brulee for breakfast. Oh, good Lord. I'm not sure about creme. There are certain things I don't think you can eat for breakfast, and I think, to be honest with you, creme brulee is one of them. Although, actually, I'm not ruling out sherry trifle for breakfast, but a creme brulee. You see, me, that'd be a disaster because you've got to heat the top up. And there's one thing I'm absolutely not buying, and that's a blowtorch for the kitchen. I'm not risking... No, 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 no. It's not happening. Imagine Steve Allen and a blowtorch. Steve Alley, my friend has suggested. Steve Alley. No, see, that could be anybody. That could be anybody. (laughs) Will Will Guyatt says, Steve, I've been to the museum. It's in a grotty hostel. (laughs) <laughs> See? And you'd be somebody who went. It has to be Will Guy. I can't believe, actually, he went. He went. Will Guy went. Oh, that tells us everything we need to know this morning, doesn't it? Oh, dear. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Ten to six at Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Friday. And we love Friday, don't we? And um, this is the, the last opportunity. Well, apart from tomorrow morning, when I shall uh, mention it, uh, to give you... A lucky couple. If you're not a lucky couple, you can find somebody because they're going to be really tempted by this one. It's the chance to win an all-inclusive once-in-a-lifetime trip to Sandals Barbados. I know. I always wanted to say Sandals Croydon, but of course it doesn't happen. It's in Barbados. It's the only place that we could send you to. You and your partner will be flown from either London or Manchester to the beautiful Caribbean island of Barbados. On the arrival, you will be whisked away to begin your Bajan experience at the amazing Sandals Resort, where you can wind down and start enjoying a week of luxury. Because you will spend seven nights at the luxurious sand. You don't have to do anything for this, by the way. You don't have to do anything. I'll tell you in a moment. Seven nights at the luxurious Sandals Resort in deluxe accommodation. This resort's got three swimming pools. I mean, how many pools does it take? You could try one each day. And then go back to the beginning and start all over again. Eleven gourmet restaurants. You are not going to be short of food. And seven full-service bars, including the swim-up pool bar. Which is, you've seen them before, it's got little stools. And you swim up there and you go, I'll have a tequila slammer. And go easy on the ice cubes. And they'll, they'll make you whatever you want. Um, all your meals, all your drinks, all your drinks, all your food. Uh, and all your entertainment. They've got the land and my favourite, water sports. All included. Free. Everything. Cost not one penny piece. So, in fact, you can go out in the morning, go to a restaurant, have a lovely meal, and uh, then you can go and relax in the sun. You can have a little bit of swim. You can have a few drinks in the afternoon. Then you can have uh, dinner. And then you you might want to do some water sports during the daytime, in which case, you know, gets my thumbs up on that one. And uh, once you've done that, then you can have a nice... A nice relaxing dinner in the evening. Very romantic, two of you. Unless you take your mother, in which case not quite the same sort of thing. And uh, after that, you can then relax. And then the next day, you could do it all over again in a different restaurant. Different water sports. Not just one water sport. As you know, there's probably a the whole raft. You could probably use your own imagination, I should imagine, and come up with something. So everything's included in this holiday experience. And all you have to do is help me to raise some money for Globals, make some noise. That's all it is. That's all it is. And the amount I'm looking for... Is three pounds, which you know is nothing in this day and age. Is absolutely nothing, 
and uh, you can enter up to ten times, which means you get ten entries into the free draw. So that's what the that's what the bonus is for you entering. One lucky couple will win that prize. The white sandy beaches, the sparkling seas. Take your camera phone, take pictures of yourself there, send it back. If you're very unlucky, I could send my Auntie Enid out to sort of greet you there. She could be a meter and greeter or something. And so if you want to win this amazing trip to the Caribbean, thanks to Sandal Resorts, and to enter and support our charity, Globals Make Some Noise, you text one word, Barbados. It would be pointless to text anything else. Barbados and send it to 84850. So Barbados, B-A-R-B-A-D-O-S, and send that to 84850. That one-off voluntary donation of just three quid from every text goes straight to our charity, hoping to change young lives and what young lives they are to change. And we'll be telling you that over the next few weeks. You've got until midday on the 6th of October to enter. Keep your phone with you, as we could be calling you to go, guess what? Standard network rate supply. You need to be over 18, please, and you're playing across all participating stations. There's a full list, rules and date restrictions at lbc.co.uk. So to be in with a chance and to be entered free into my prize draw for that fantastic seven nights at Sandals Barbados with the three swimming pools, the 11 gourmet restaurants, the seven full-service bars, all free. As much water sports as your little body can handle, you know, and also they they have land sports as well. That sounds a bit too energetic for me. I think I prefer to do it with water involved. That's much better. So you text Barbados, B-A-R-B-A-D-O-S, and send it to 84850. It's triggering the uh, the computer when you text Barbados. You go into the right place. Otherwise, you go nowhere and you float around the ethers. You need to make sure you can spell Barbados, B-A-R-B-A-D-O-S, and send it to 84850. And as we say in the business, good luck. And, uh, and I hope it's you. Hope it's you that ends up with that fab. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? What a nice start to the new year. Where are we going? We're going to Barbados. Pablo says cricket, Steve, is far more boring than golf. The game lasts five days unless it rains, and then they go home and call it a draw. You see, I, I don't get cricket either, but I've spoken to people in the past. Michael Parkinson is a huge cricket fan. I mean, he would sit there till the cows come home watching cricket. Uh, my friend Toby loves cricket. That's, I just. Does Matt Stadlin love cricket? Amazing, isn't it? I just. I can't get it. I just don't. But there again, they probably don't get my nude leapfrog for the over 35s or nude tiddlywinks, where you can tiddle your wink and, uh, and everybody's fairly happy. So, uh, so that's it. So I, I, don't get, I don't get golf and I don't get fishing and I don't get uh, cricket. But, you know, everybody's different. But wouldn't it be boring if we all liked the same things? I like the idea that we've got, you know, cricketers out there. I like the idea that they look completely different to the early cricketers. You know, I'm harking back to WG Grace. See, I know about these people, you know, where all the men had a beard. Some of the women, too. But they uh, they sort of went out there and played cricket and it was all... Th- now they put war paint on. They put war paint on, you know. Everybody, it's, it's like getting sort of like American American stuff. Uh, great to hear, says uh, Gina, the cleaner, from Queen Mary Court. Says, you you read out my text last Monday to my hubby who works at uh, uh, the Scrubs prison. My uh, manager heard it. So say good morning to Clive. There you go. We don't do that very often. Uh, angling for gators in Louisiana like the swamp people. Now that is fishing, says Mick. Yes, I'm, I'm always frightened by, by gators. Um, anything like that. Some of them are huge. Absolutely enormous, these things are. And you think, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near the water like that poor, poor bloke. That poor bloke who was just washing his hands and the gator dragged him in. That was terrible. Uh, Will Guy says, I'm glad to be awake. 
Well, otherwise it would mean that you wouldn't be awake, wouldn't it, really? He says to um, to hear that uh, Steve Allen show enjoys water sports. Well, I tell you, throw me in the water and I'm there. I'm like a gazelle in the water, honestly. A gazelle with lead weights around it because I can't, I can't do anything on my tummy. Seriously, nothing. I can only do things on my back. Isn't that something that you never thought you wanted to hear at this time of the morning? I know I didn't. Uh, my friend says cricket was originally played by women. That's why they bowl overarm, because the pleated skirt got in the way of underarm. Is that, is that seriously women played cricket? My mother was a member of a, a village cricket team uh, up in Yorkshire, in our little village. The women played cricket, but they made a big thing about it. So you'd go off to watch them playing cricket, you know, maybe on a Friday evening or something like that. And then we'd have uh, soup and cups of tea. And it was sort of, it was very much the spirit of the village. It was that good Yorkshire hospitality where people sort of interfering our bags, I call them. But anyway, so they come around and go, oh, hello, Stephen, how are you doing at school? I'm fine. I'm fine. Your mother's doing very well, is she? Riveting. But we always used to play it, and you play it in the in the field where the cows had been. So it was a bit of a case of whoops, 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 trying to avoid that, trying to, ooh, there we go, nearly fell in that one. And, um, and, it, was, and it was good. But I just can't do it. I was always the one on the, on the, on the edge of the field praying that the ball never came anywhere near me and they go, okay, six, six, it's going to be six catch it Stephen, catch it, and then the sun would get you around I can't see the blooming thing and eventually you catch the ball and you, you throw it back again but I was a bit girly with the throwing I wasn't, my, my right arm surprisingly, was not that strong so I can throw better with left than I can with right, it's amazing actually and I'm not ambidextrous, I'd like to be but I'm not, there's only certain things I can do my, my left arm used to be much weaker than my right arm, so when I was sort of climbing trees, huh Years ago, you know, we can't do things like that. I can't even lift my weight. I'd love to try. I'd love to them to put in local parks. I'd like them to put in things like bars for adults to have a bit of exercise on. But they just don't do that. It's all it's all done for younger people. You know, I'm sure that adults would like to go on swings and those roundabouts that you went on. You go, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to do something like that. But they don't do it. So you have to do it when it's sort of fairly dark and nobody's noticing, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, dear me. Everybody's touring at the moment. Status quo. Look, there's only one left, isn't there? How are they going to manage that one? How is status quo touring? Oh, I think the drummer's still around. Deep Purple are touring. Gorillas. I've heard of Gorillas. That's amazing, isn't it? I'm very surprised. You've seen Deep Purple. Uh, Bla- uh, the big hit single for Deep Purple was Black Knight. Yeah, well, probably you like Smoke on the Water. I wasn't particularly bothered. Blondie. Dunny, dunny. Uh, Elbow, Steps. Alexandra Armstrong. Blimey, he's touring as well. Good for him. Uh, Megan McKenna. That's pushing it a bit, isn't it, really? She only had one, one single out and she's doing a concert. I'll be avoiding that one. And Banana Rama. Blimey, I don't think anybody's ever heard them sing live. Ever. But that's good, isn't it? I quite like that. Also, Katy Perry is touring. She, she's sort of doing the, the, the bigger venues than Megan McKenna. Not really sure whether Megan McKenna's going to be selling out. Not, not too sure about that. Coming up to the news at six o'clock. It's Friday morning on LBC. Uh, Hero? No. Hugh Hefner's legacy is toxic for all women. Uh, those uh, Brompton bikes, 150,000 have been recalled. They think there's a problem in the frame. There is a chance that it could break. So they've recalled them. Prince Harry tells young people, look up from your phones and get involved. That'll be a first, won't it? Trying to get young people away from it. Te- Put the phone down. Put the fo- They can't. You go to restaurants, everybody's got phones. Sit on the train, everybody's got phones. You know, wherever you go, kids have got telephones. Uh, the Preacher. 
who told the kids aged three it's good to be a martyr. We've decided to send him to prison where he can talk to the walls and by himself. And Ken Dodd says he's 90 soon, but he'll never retire because he loves his job. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Five past six is the time. It's early breakfast with Steve Allen on LBC until seven o'clock this morning. It's nice to have your company. So, uh, Harry telling young people, look up from your phones and get involved. It's one thing I, I said at the beginning of the programme. I don't remember seeing too many pictures of Harry on his telephone. You know, I mean, he, he seems to obviously... I mean, I'm assuming he's up to date with the latest technology. Only guessing. Ben Stokes, the cricketer. Genius on the field, but a real trouble magnet. The latest... Uh, embarrassment for him is a video that he shot of himself uh, taking the mickey out of Katie Price's son, Harvey. Um, You know, unrepeatable because it's using that word. Oh, look, a picture of Prince Harry with a telephone showing it to their father. It's a phone, Dad. Prince William's got an iPhone and Harry's going, what is that? They're going, it's a phone. I don't believe it. What do you use it for? And then here he is taking a picture of somebody. Do you think... Oh, he has a Blackberry. Do you think Prince Charles has got a phone as well? That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Charles, have you got a phone? I, I don't have a phone, no. No. But, uh, in fact, actually, now we found loads of pictures of Prince Harry with a telephone. That's a very old picture. That's Harry with hair. And uh, Harry wearing another casual outfit. And um, obviously like them, don't they, I suppose? I suppose they... Who do they phone? Do you think he picks up the phone? Because we know that Diana... According to David Emanuel, picked up the phone and goes, it's me. Oh, here he is with another picture of his phone. All right, that contradicts everything I've ever said. He uses the phone all the time. Do you think he's on a contract? Do you think he's, he's with sort of 02 or 03 or somebody like that? And they go, we've got Harry. We've got Harry here. And, um, and all his girlfriends have got the, uh, the number. Hi, Harry. It's me. Hi. <laughs> but, uh, yes, it's not the sort of thing you imagine the royal family doing, do you? Uh, morning, Stephen. Fellow Spiker says, little Julie, at Zumba Sunday, if you fancy it. I like the sound of Ruder Steve Allen in Felton. Yes, Ru- it sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Ruder Steve Allen, as if the programme could be. Uh, the student who took LSD and then jumped off a suicide bridge. Um, also, uh, the Maddie police given an extra 154,000. That apparently is going to see them through until March of next year. Uh, the calls now from people on the internet boycott Ryanair. What well, that's going to solve, I've got no idea. It's not going to. We've had it before. I've seen that. You know, people people sort of trying to start some um, sort of thing that sort of discredits them. And admittedly, they've been complete idiots. They've screwed up big time, and so they're going to give compensation. If people go back to them, then they go back to them. I think people people forget about these things after a while and go, "Well, I'll, I'll book because it's cheaper." They'll obviously have to come up with some damage limitation, and they'll have to come up with it uh, fairly quickly, I should imagine. Hugh Hefner, his legacy. They say hero. No, not at all. It's uh, it's toxic, they say, for all women. He was just, I suppose, I mean, I read it in the paper today, is he just a dirty old man? No, he was a man who, who put, you know, Playboy on the map and then he sold it ages ago or he sold his share in it. He didn't own the Playboy mansion. He sold that, but they allowed him to live there, little realising he was going to live to 91. And uh, his uh, son, one of three, has uh, taken over and he'll, he'll... But I think he's been chairman for a while, actually, and he'll probably inherit the bulk of his father's estate. It'll probably go four ways, I would have thought. Uh, players' fury at the rollover farce on the lottery. It's nigh on impossible to win now. They've they've almost made it, so it's so difficult. And uh, now they've added... I think they added two extra balls. And before, I used to sort of get regular little wins, you know, 30 quid, 40 quid. Now, nothing more than £2.62 or £3. It's, uh, it's shameful, really. That's why it's £155 million tonight. And if nobody wins it, which is highly unlikely... 
Uh, then it'll roll over and we'll probably go up to the top prize, which we've ever had, which is 161. And then they get to the stage where they go, right, if it goes any further, we're going to sort of cut it back. Shows how difficult it is. It shouldn't be going that high. You're supposed to have a fair chance of winning something, but, of course, they've made it, so it's nigh on difficult. How they ever justified it, how they were ever allowed to do it, Gould alone knows. Uh, Also, what was the other one as well? Oh, yes, Prince William backing the Imperial War Museum's new Holocaust exhibition in London. I urge you to go there. If you've never been to the museum before, go because it's a very special museum. And Eamon Holmes tells us something that uh, we've always known. They were going to do his family tree on the television. You know where they do somebody's family tree and they go, this was your uncle, he was, you know, a tea planter in Indonesia or something like that. Turns out that Eamon Holmes' family was so boring, they they didn't decide to go ahead with it. They were all farmers, so it was very dull. Uh, Also, pubs are closing. Well, we've known that for ages. Uh, This time... Boozers are priced out of their locals. Most people now, they don't go to Boozers, which is a shame because that's where the hub of the community was, wasn't it? We've had loads of pubs close around our way. Some have been turned into clubs. Some have been turned into flats. One's been turned into a supermarket. In fact, actually, a couple have been turned into supermarkets. And that's since I've been living in Twickenham. You know, you lose loads of them because people have got to support their local pubs. I mean, we we have rugby, so that gives us an influx every so often to fill up the pubs. Uh, Also, uh, Argos in the... uh, Well, how are you pricing things nowadays, Argos? I didn't even know they were still in existence. It shows how how out of touch I must be. Uh, Also, the top supermarket supplier. This was on the television last night. It was a, a joint Guardian and ITN... Uh, investigation into a company called Two Sisters. And uh, what the company are alleged to have done is they've uh, had food. They've got footage. It's on it's on a website as well. Uh, Footage of chicken being dropped on the floor and then put back into the into the system. Food that's been sent back. They actually supply loads of people. Tesco, Sainsbury's, Marks and Spencer's, Aldi and Lidl. when they were shown the evidence, all five retailers have said that they would launch immediate investigations because this is just four years after the horsemeat scandal, which occurred, uh, occurred in, what, 2013. They also changed the uh, the kill dates. You could see it on there. Somebody peeled it off. Now, whether or not it's set up, I've got no idea. I could just tell you what I saw on the programme. And this artificially stretches the commercial life of meat products by triggering the food processor to print incorrect used by dates uh, on supermarket pricing. And it's all, this, this company is in West Bromwich. Somebody uh, went in there, recorded 12 working days inside. One of it, uh, people dropping chickens on the floor, then they returned them to the production line. Other times, food that had been sent back by the supermarkets, they just unwrapped it and then put it back into the system. Old chicken and new chicken put together. You know, they mixed it all up and old meat with new meat and you look at it and you think if I, I'm not going to be buying any meat until they've sorted this one out you know I mean it's it just seems amazing that these companies you know are, are allowed to sort of get away with this I mean this might just be somebody scaremongering I don't know but uh, the the two sisters food group have said they've been made aware of several Broad allegations made by the Guardian stroke ITV in relation to inappropriate procedures, food safety and hygiene issues at two of our poultry processing facilities. We view these allegations extremely seriously. However, we've not been given the time or the detailed evidence to conduct any thorough investigations to establish the facts, which makes a fulsome and detailed response very difficult. Well, I'm sure they will. They interviewed more than 20 workers 
uh, two sisters about standards. One says, I've changed the slaughter dates lots of times when I was working in that area. My supervisor, he asked me to do it. If you're buying fresh chicken, it can be older chicken. Now, whether or not they knew they were talking to somebody who was going to be exposing a practice, I've got no idea. But it just makes us realise, doesn't it, really, that we don't really know. There was one company ages ago, they were taking old chicken, which should have been unfit for human consumption, washing it with a saline solution and putting it back into the system again. And you don't know, they then go and sell it to restaurants. That's why sometimes you go out to a restaurant, you have something that you think is perfectly normal and you become ill through eating it, and that could be through contaminated chicken. Seafood's the worst thing, isn't it? You can become ill, I think, on, on seafood more than, more than anything. Quickly as well, very, very quickly. So uh, just be warned, just be warned. What they say here, speaking about how chicken is returned by the supermarket distribution centres, a third Two Sisters worker said they will repack the returned meat like today's production. It's sent back on the line like today's. They mix it with today's production. And they've, they've got this, apparently, on on camera. So somebody obviously got a job there. They'd heard about something and they decided to, to follow it through. I mean, it's not good news for the company. And it's up to the supermarkets to check. And uh, they've got here, uh, apparently, the drumsticks. This is, this is Lidl. They've got them being reopened and mixed with other pieces of poultry. The drumsticks re-emerge at the end of the line, showing in packets, saying they've come from Tesco's Willow Farms. And the labelling on the pack says the contents are reared exclusively for Tesco. Schilling said the Willow Farms brand is exclusive to Tesco, but the raw material is not. So 2SFG meets the raw material specification for the Willow Farms brand. Oh, right. That's sorry. It's what. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, really, that you can have something. It's, it's, it's fake farms. There is no such place as Willow Farms. It's a trade name like what's the one that Marks and, Marks and Spencer's have one as well? Oakham. This is Oakham chicken. You go, oh, that's nice, isn't it? No such place. It's just made up because it makes you feel better. makes me feel better. If I, if, if I see chicken in Marks and Spencer's, because I happen to use that more than anything else, and I look at it and they go, six pieces for four quid, I always think, cheap chicken. If I see Oakham chicken, I go, ah, better quality chicken. But it might not be. I can't... I can't tell the difference, you see. I was, you know, I couldn't tell if I was eating horse meat. I've got no idea. It's like if, if you buy chicken Kiev... What does it say on there? Uh, made from chopped and shaped chicken. You know, Oakham is in Rutland. The chicken isn't from there. It's just, it's just, it's like Sunnyview Farm. I've just made that up now. You know, all our happy chickens come from Sunnyview Farm. Where is that? Well, it's a huge place that processes two million chickens a week. It's not Sunnyview Farm at all. You know, it's that difference between free range and battery. We had a big debacle about that some years ago on LBC. And it turned out that uh, we're not too sure what free range means. You know, does it mean that the chickens have access to outside? Yes. Do they go there? Not all the time they don't. Not all the time. Because they keep them in the barn. And then when they finally open the doors, the chickens are too frightened to go outside. They're sort of, ooh, not going out there. Looks scary. So they don't bother. They stay inside. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Actually, it's interesting because Jackie in Blackfriars says, I've worked in catering for over 30 years and I've seen some awful things, especially with chefs. We hardly ever eat out because of it. Well, of course, it's highlighted by watching Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, where he goes to these restaurants which are open in America. I think he's done it over here before. And, uh, and he goes into the kitchen and he goes, how old is this? There was one woman in there the other day. And, I mean, just highlight one case. And they had breadcrumbs. Are these, are these today's breadcrumbs? Yes, says the woman. The chef goes, no, they're not. They're two days old. And what they do is they, they, they put chicken 
in there to coat it before they deep fry it or whatever. It was. And he said, what about people who are vegetarian? They're getting bits of chicken. And she went, so? And you think, are they doing this for the purposes of the programme? I couldn't quite work out whether they do it for the purposes of the programme or whether they're doing it just to, you know, because they like that anyway. And so he says, this place is filthy. They open up cupboards, old, filthy, mould-stained chicken, and they're serving it in these restaurants, and that's why. A friend of mine says, in the States last year, the lottery got up to 1.6 billion. It was one. 1.6 billion? That's it, because you can't have that much, can you? You accept a lesser amount you accept a lesser amount, or you can have it spread over 25 years or something like that. And, uh, Steve, I think the National Lottery is quite ridiculous. Nobody needs that sort of money. Wouldn't it be nicer if they kept it to, say, 50 million and then cascaded the balance down? Instead of winning £2.20, you could at least win something decent, says Paul. Yeah, I suppose so, but they, they've chosen not to do that. So somebody somewhere is going to win, well, they might do or they might not do, £155 million tonight. If they don't, then it, it just keeps going. And... Um, Somebody says, I've been listening for years, never contacted any of you before. Uh, when it gets to this time of the year, I don't know about you, but when you're sat in traffic in the dark, winter nights or mornings, worse if it's wet. Doesn't bother me in the slightest, actually. I couldn't care. I don't suffer from that. I'm quite happy to sit in traffic jams. I know it sounds a bit ridiculous. But uh, people, you know, with their foot on the brake and brake lights and everything. I've got two lots of brake lights. I've got brake lights either side and then a back window brake light as well, which is quite normal now. But I've told you, I've seen cars driving through London, no lights on at all. You begin to wonder whether they're doing it just to be stupid. Tomorrow morning, the best of Steve Allen between five and six. It's an hour programme. I know we've cultivated the best bits from the programme and we offer it to you as your way to wake up for Saturday. And then after that is In Conversation. My first guest on In Conversation this weekend is an actress. Best known for playing Chigwell's wealthy man-eater Dorian Green in the hit sitcom sitcom Birds of a Feather. Away from her TV work, she's no stranger to the stage. Her latest role is that of Frau Blucher in the musical adaptation of the film Young Frankenstein, written by Mel Brooks and the late Gene Wilder. It's Leslie Joseph. She told me that performing in front of Mel Brooks was a nerve-wracking experience. Mel came in for our first read-through and for me, that was the most frightening thing I'd ever done in my life because I suddenly thought, oh, my goodness, now he's seeing me for the first time. I wonder if he regrets casting me. Oh, he might, my, he might change his mind. He might slope off and say, no, I don't think she's right. <laughs> we had a wonderful meeting at the Savoy mm. and uh, Ross Noble, who's playing Igor, um, and I met there and I had a couple of champagne cocktails and uh, Mel, who was wonderful, came in and he said, what are you drinking? And I was the only one who'd already had two rather large drinks by that point. So I said, well, I'll have a champagne cocktail. Why not? He said, ah, you're ruining me. You're ruining me. And uh, I said, it's all right, Mel, I'll pay. And he said, no, the one thing I got is money. I thought, oh, and completely fell in love with him. He was absolutely Glorious, he is what he is, and yeah. the stories. And he's ninety-one, and he's so he? full of life. Yes, and he's quite special. And he's been here ever since July, I think it is, coming into rehearsals nearly every day. And and when we actually did that first read through, oh my goodness, I sat there. He stopped my song five times, literally five mm. times. I thought oh, he hates me. He hates me. I can't do this. I can't do this. I've got to leave. I'm auditioning in front of everybody. I mean, it was the most traumatic afternoon. But uh, no, he's wonderful. And it's just, he hears something, he says, no, that way, no, that way. Listen, let's work on it going this way. 
And he hears such wonderful rhythms, and comedy is all rhythms. Amazing, actually. Such a good conversation with the actress Leslie Joseph, who's in conversation with me this weekend. Now, as well as Leslie, I'll be talking to a singer-songwriter, one quarter of one of the most successful pop groups in history, ABBA. Breakthrough single, Waterloo. Won the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest and was the first of a steady stream of worldwide hits which became some of the biggest selling records of all time in the early 1980s, the group went their separate ways, but the music lives on in the hugely successful musical Mamma Mia. My second guest is Benny Anderson. He gave me a little glimpse into the ABBA songwriting process. When we recorded with uh, the old band, ABBA, I would come into the studio, I would write down the harmonies, bar by bar, so, so the band would know this is a C now, it's an E minor, and then we go to this. They could play by looking at the chord analysis, you know, uh, and that's all that it took. And then we talked about it. You're a small band, you can discuss, you can say, well, what, what if you play this while I do this? Let's see what happens. You can do that if you're only four guys, but if you if you have an orchestra of 50, you can't do that. They need to know what they're supposed to play. Yeah. So I've, I've been sort of thinking uh, through the years, well, it's a drag, I should have learned this, but it's been okay anyway. It's, so it's I have good. friends who can write and read music, and I talk to them, and they write down whatever I want to be written down. With ABBA, I always got that there was a sense of a... Gr- I mean, I used to listen to groups like Blue Mink with Madeline Bell yeah. and Middle of the Road. Yes. Because I thought they were great. I and, did too, yeah. And all of those poppy groups from a long time ago that had a pr- even the sweet to a certain extent yeah. because I thought they were... G- because I looked at their costumes... There's a little bit of a similarity between a lot of the stuff you were wearing on yeah, stage. they were worse than ours. They were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were. They really were worse than you. But, but I was strangely but we drawn to them. groups did, didn't they? That yes. was the time. Yes, it was glam rock. Yeah. So we just picked up on that. When we went to the Eurovision 1974, that was, the, that was going on then. So we said, let's, let's put something on that people will remember. Even if we don't win this thing, they will recognise us and they will know that there's a band from Sweden able to make good recordings, you know? And you did make good recordings. Well, I did, yeah, I think we did. Some of them were really good. Some of them not so good. Yeah, right. What a, what a very successful group they were. That's Abba's Benny Anderson, who's in conversation with me this weekend, along with the actress Leslie Joseph. You can hear me talking to Leslie and Benny tomorrow morning from 6, after the best of Steve Allen. If you can't make it then, you get another chance on Sunday evening from 9, and you can download the whole thing from the LBC Catch-Up app for your mobile or tablet too. Worth it. I mean, really, if you're a fan of ABBA and you love birds of a feather, then uh, it's your weekend this weekend, except the weather's nice. Mike says, you were talking about chicken. I buy my meat in butchers, but do other shopping in Lidl. Does it, I mean, would that put people off? I don't know. The, the supermarkets say they're going to have an investigation, but I'm assuming all they'll do is they'll just go back to the factories and they'll, they'll go around there. I thought they did that anyway. When I used to work for an industrial radio station, which was run by McVitie's. Marks and Spencers, who are one of their clients, for want of a better description, uh, used to come round and inspect the factories. How often do Marks and Spencers or any of the other people, Tesco, go to the Two Sisters factory in West Bromwich and have a, and have a look around? That's what I'd like to know. Because let's face it, they didn't seem to know about the horse meat thing until that was sort of brought up. And let's face it, we'd obviously been eating it for some time. But do they go up to this factory and watch chickens and how it's being packaged and look at the, the, the hygiene or 
do they do that? Because if somebody was able to go in there and over 12 days was able to make some recordings of some of the practices that allegedly were going on, I begin to wonder why these other supermarkets didn't go up there and find the same thing. They just go up there and they go, yeah, that looks all right, thank you, and walk away again. Or do they go around and go, let's go and talk to people? Because when they came to United Biscuits up at Osterley, the whole factory went into a meltdown. They would come in there and there'd be loads of them and they'd be checking the lines, checking the consistency, checking the hygiene side of it. All of this, all of this was sort of checked. But I wonder whether or not Marks and Spencers did it, did it for the chicken and Lidl and Tesco and all these other places. Because that's what worries me. That this can be going on, not exposed by the people who sell this, but by the people who don't sell it. The Guardian newspaper and ITN. So that's what we want. We want answers from these people. I mean, you know, the chicken that is being sold today in these supermarkets. Has that been checked? Are we allowed to go in and buy it today? Or has it all been removed from the shelves? Because we're not sure whether or not it was part of custom and practice. uh, As it might be old chicken mixed with new chicken. You know, if we see a dish there with chicken and then a sauce and everything. I mean... is that going to be some sort of guarantee? That's what I'm wanting. You know, we should we should expect this. We're paying premium prices. And that's why I think we should know. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 7. It's the weekend. Yeah, love the weekend. Nick Ferrari with you at breakfast this morning from 7 on LBC. Labour's Kensington MP Emma Dent Code is refusing to apologise for comments made about the royal family. Nick will be speaking to the Tory MP who thinks she should resign over them. This is the one who said, uh, Prince Harry can't fly a helicopter, he's just the co-pilot, and he goes, vroom, vroom. I've never heard a helicopter going vroom, vroom, but uh, I'm not sure whether it's a resigning matter. You'll find out later. A think tank is warning of further cuts to hospital bed numbers. How can this still be happening to our NHS? I have no complaints about the NHS. I think they're fantastic. Plus, on the day UKIP announced who their new leader is, Nick will be finding out if the party's in turmoil from the man who's been in temporary charge for the past few months. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari this morning from 7 here on LBC. Nice to be company. We do the front pages of the uh, of the papers as well. Somebody says, uh, Mark says, there's a very good documentary on Hugh Hefner and Playboy on Amazon Prime. I've no ever. Do you know, there's nothing more I need to know about Hugh Hefner. I don't need to know anything at all. I know about the origins of the Playboy Mansion. The papers are full today of people who claim to have been there and stayed there and people who claim to have worked for them. And, you know, you've got the six penneth stuck in by various sort of modelly types. Apparently, Denise Van Outen was asked to model for them. Can't imagine why. I don't think she was Playboy type at all. Even, you know, if it's that long ago. I mean, she really wasn't Playboy type. I don't know why they'd ever have thought she was. She claimed she was offered half a million and turned it down. Not the best thing, is it, really? Uh, Pammy's tribute as the Playboy boss dies. And, uh, as I say, he was 91. You can't complain. Uh, the bad news of the day is uh, is Ben. This is uh, Ben Stokes. He's been caught in a new row last night. First of all, he's been suspended over these allegations of, uh, of, uh, of, of getting into an altercation. This time, it's something he can't get out of because it's him talking. He's filmed himself talking and taking the mickey out of... Harvey, Katie Price's son, um, who dropped the C word in a live TV interview. Where he gets it from at that age, I've got no idea. I'm assuming it must be heard at home. He doesn't go anywhere else to hear that kind of thing. And I shouldn't imagine he's surrounded by people, but obviously somebody's used it in front of him and he used it. And so Ben Stokes has used it in a video. I had to check, actually, with the producer. I said, it is Ben Stokes we're looking at. And he said, yep, absolutely. So great on the field, but uh, issues 
away from the field. Uh, TV's Holly Willabooby says, you won't believe my big boobs. That's the basis of her interview with uh, with Jonathan Ross. Presumably, she's uh, she must be flogging something. Otherwise, there's no interview, is there? The fact she corpses on television, I don't think, is really the basis of an interview. I think uh, probably it's the fact she's got a new clothing line coming out. And uh, and she's got probably... There might even be some other programmes. I don't know. At one time, she seemed to be doing everything. Uh, Steve. Uh, I'm almost certain every supermarket has a food inspector, says Grace. One of my friends was a food inspector years ago. How seriously they inspect is another story. I always buy my chicken from Tesco. Well, they're a place that gets it from this two sisters. They, that's where they get it from. So how do we know? You know, what, what do we suppose? I don't know whether or not there's supposed to be some sticker on it with a tick. Almost like being verified by, by sort of Twitter and them going, well, we can guarantee this is absolutely fine. It's not been dropped on the floor. You know, it isn't old chicken that's come back and been washed and then we just put it back into the system again. Because bearing in mind, this would be tons and tons of chicken going through almost on a weekly basis. I wouldn't like to imagine how many chickens they process. And so I suppose there is the, the element of risk. But as nobody's actually... But, I mean, you wouldn't think about it, would you? I wouldn't think about it. I wonder, if, if I became ill one morning, I wouldn't think, oh, it'll be that chicken. Because I always imagine chicken is OK. It's like chicken and turkey or anything else. Pork, I'm not so sure about. Lamb, I'd probably be fairly happy with if I ate lamb. And fish, I'd be fairly happy with. But I'm not... You know, chicken, I'm going, oh, that's the latest... Everybody eats chicken. Tons of chicken. How do I know where... Where other people get their chicken from, is that is that safe? Is that OK to eat? Is it mixed with other things? You know, when they sort of grind chicken up, you know, it's like sort of fish fingers, isn't it? You know, made with sort of cod and all the rest of it. But it's sort of cod and other bits and pieces, I think. So you have to sort of, you have to you have to trust people. I do. I try to until I read a story like this and I'm kind of slightly sceptical about the whole thing. Uh, so front of the Daily Star, as I say, it's uh, Holly, my telly hell, new hope for Maddie. Because there is, I don't think there is. I know that sounds really ridiculous, but they've got nothing. They've been doing this for years. She's 14. She will be 14 now. And they say new hope. The new hope is that they put more money into it, 154,000, which will see them through till March. And, uh, and as I say, that's, uh, that, that's the extent of it. I mean, I, I don't know, actually. I don't know. If she is still out there somewhere, she won't be Madeleine McCann. She'll be somebody completely different. Some, because she was abducted or walked off. We don't know. I can't even say she was abducted by somebody. That's what they were saying originally. But now they don't know. We had all stories about, oh, paedophile gangs operating in the area. That came to nothing. You know, did she wander off? No idea. There appeared to be no CCTV. There was nothing there. If there was CCTV, you might better go back onto it. If you are a family going abroad and you've got young children, like young children, like, you know, her age... I would have thought the one thing you don't do is leave them in a room, or if you do, you lock the room, and then and you and you take it on from there. But you know what kids are like? They wake up in the middle of the night. We've all done it. When we were little, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're very disorientated, you want the toilet. You know, you, she might have opened a door and what? We don't know. That's it. It's just pure guesswork. Sleazebag, say the Daily Mirror. Guess who? Or a man of principle, the incredible life of Hugh Hefner. It was just, you know, old man with lots of money and lots of Bundy, Bundy, lots of busty bleach blonde women hanging around there. And it was apparently an honour to be a Playboy bunny. I mean, we had the Playboy bunny club in London and then they brought it back a short while ago. It just seems a bit dated, doesn't it? People dressed as bunnies. Why? Why bunnies out of all the things? Why not albatrosses? Why bunnies all the time? Maddie Cops given one last chance. Detectives get six more months. Uh, the cost of the hunt uh, now 11.2 million. 
And uh, as I say, they've been over there, they've been back uh, and forward. The sun this morning, the army truck heat chaos. I've told you about the fact that they're not doing particularly well. Sick Stokes pokes fun at Katie's disabled lad, Harvey. He's got no boundaries. And a picture of uh, Katie Price with her son on television where he came up with the rude word. And uh, and then sort of people laugh, don't they? Because you laugh when you hear a child doing something like that. Uh, I didn't see it, but, uh, you know, you just ask yourself, where did the word come from? And uh, why would he do that? So they then phone up Katie Price. Hello, Katie. Somebody said something rude about Harvey. You know, why would he do that? It's disgusting. Unfortunately, you just have to accept the fact that they that people do say things like that. I shouldn't imagine it's just him. I should imagine people in pubs make jokes about Harvey. You know, it's just by the way that, you know, the country seems to be going. Uh, the ultimate playboy is Hugh Hefner, says the Express, died at the mansion. Why was he a playboy? He's been, he was just an old man. He was just a very, very old man. Um, at last, Britain breaks Brexit deadlock. New hope in Maddie Hunt. Boost as police get more cash to continue the search and watch out Meghan. Playful Prince Harry's looking broody. No, it's because some girl's stolen his popcorn and he's saying to her, Where is it? Give it back. I'm Prince Harry. Eating it. Give it back. You know, that, that's what you imagine he's actually saying to this, uh, to this poor child here. Who every time he seemed to look away, I mean, how he didn't know that she had put her hand in it. You'd feel it. He's holding a bag of popcorn. He can't be that naive. You would know if somebody puts their hand in there and sort of takes a load out. So presumably it was all OK. Uh, the Guardian running with the story about the, the chicken. And the use-by dates on supermarket chicken fiddled. Evidence also suggests returned meat repackaged. Food safety experts call for a full investigation. Secret filming at supplier shows labels altered. I mean, if it's proven, presumably the supermarkets will all go elsewhere. And this company will, will collapse overnight. Because you don't want to think that they've been repackaging chicken that's been lying on the floor of the factory. Or that they've uh, fiddled the sell-by dates or anything else. But they say it does reveal a potential food safety breach and so the supermarkets have said that they're going to launch their own investigation. Do you know the supermarkets return chicken to suppliers for a variety of reasons? I didn't know. They'd, I thought they'd just throw it away. I had no idea they'd actually send it back. So all this company were doing in certain occasions, they say, allegations, uh, alleged, they, they just put it back in the packaging and send it back again. Seems fair enough, doesn't it, really? Uh, the workers, they say, drop chickens on the floor and then return them to the production line. Uh, chickens were slaughtered, potentially hindering authorities from recalling contaminated meat during the food scare. Uh, chickens returned by the supermarket distribution centres being repackaged by two sisters and sent out to major grocers. So does that mean they send out to other places as well? I mean, we just don't know, do we? When I buy something like, you know, chicken Kiev or bits of chicken, I like to think that it's good. But now they've all got funny names, haven't they? As I say, Sunnybrook Farm and all that kind of thing. That was like, you know, what was it? We had that thing a short while ago, Sunny Delight for kids. And they it, find it in the chiller cabinet. It doesn't need to be in the chiller cabinet. It's long life. You know, is it? they were trying to sell something that turned kids' lips orange because they went, it's Sunny Delight. They went, oh, Sunny Delight, we want that. And so now we've got Sunny Happy Farms or Happy Sunny Farms and Happy Chickens. And they've got a picture of a chicken on the front that looks like something out of a Walt Disney cartoon. You go, oh, it was a happy chicken. No, it's a dead chicken. They get reared... They take them into the, uh, the factory. Shit, they ha- I mean, they're literally, they're hanging them up. You know, every one every second, I should imagine. And they go through the process and, and they're killed, plucked, and then made ready. And some are cooked, some are not cooked. I'm assuming they offer the whole process. And um, how often, because there seem to be hundreds of people that work in this particular factory, Two Sisters, how often do all the big supermarkets go and check? And how, 
How rigorous is their check? That's what I want to know. I mean, because I'm trusting these... I'm giving these people my hard-earned money. I want to know about it. But that's the same for everything, isn't it? Any sort of meat. I had some meat the other day. I bought some um, um, sliced beef. It was the worst sliced beef I've ever had. I should have taken it back because it was full of stringiness. It was, it was rare. I must have got to the end of the decent bits. It was absolutely dreadful. I thought by that time I'd sort of I'd eaten most of it, so it was a bit of a... Bit of a problem. Also, in the eye this morning, uh, Ryanair, the airline, deluged with complaints from furious travellers. But uh, after the calls to boycott Ryanair, will that make any difference? Probably not. Probably not. People are always going to use Ryanair because it's a, it's a cheap way of travel, isn't it? It's like Uber. Even the Prime Minister's leapt into the Uber debate, saying that uh, they really shouldn't have lost the licence. Well, they might not. They might not. There is still the opportunity for them to get it back again. They've said that they will replace the CEO and that they just want to know what they can do to make things better. And uh, and the appeal could go for years. As I say, I thought the other week, as indeed did loads of people, that once they lose the contract at the end of this month, people are going, ah, right, it finishes on the 30th of September tomorrow. Do you think they'll be... Of course they'll still be going. They'll be here next week, week after, week after, and throughout the next two years won't change anything. Won't change anything at all. And I thought people thought it was going to be... Uh, you know, completely different. But they've also got another company, which is called Lyft, who will be coming in as well. I mean, you know, ever, ever more companies coming in to what is quite clearly a very lucrative market. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 7 is the time. Front page of the Daily Telegraph today. Redford, I never knew Jane loved me. This is Jane Fonda who has confessed that she had a secret love for Robert Redford for years without... Uh, him ever being aware of her feelings. I should imagine that's loads of people, isn't it? Unrequited love. And uh, Robert Redford, in his day, good... I mean, it's still considered good-looking now. He's a lot older, obviously. I think he's in his 80s, I think. But uh, anyway, so they, uh, they're both starring in the Netflix drama Our Souls at Night. I used to love Robert Redford. I loved him in The Sting. I loved him in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. He's 81, is he really? Good Lord above, honestly. Well, he's still making movies. Jane Fonda is... What, she's 70-something, isn't she? I think she was... We were saying the other day, I mean, it's just unbelievable. But mind you, we think she's had a lot of... Um, 70, 79. Good Lord, we think she's had loads of things done. Uh, Ryanair have been told to find passengers new flights. Do you think they can really find um, that many new flights for all these people? At the right price? Will they pay for it? God, I hope so. NHS beds halved in 30 years. You heard that on the news a short while ago. And workers as young as 16 will be enrolled into company pensions for the first time following a review of retirement savings. That's on the front of the Telegraph. Plus Celia Walden, my bacchanalian knight at the Playboy Mansion. It was just, it was just a sort of place that people went to for things, you know. They had a famous swimming pool, didn't they? And it was lots of sort of bleach blonde people wandering around, very busty. And it was one of those sort of... It was a hedonistic atmosphere, I believe. That's all I can tell you. Uh, Suspended Stokes likely to miss the ashes. This is Ben Stokes. I think it's highly likely. He's on full pay. He's on full pay. They've suspended him whilst they conduct... uh, Although the latest revelations today in The Sun about him uh, taking the mickey about Harvey... Katie Price's son are really not going to do him any favours whatsoever. Uh, Robert Bathurst says, I'm not the person you think I am. Who do we think he is? Who do we think he is? I don't know, but he's telling you uh, he's not. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, uh, talking as well about the universal credit thrown into chaos. Tory uh, rebels calling for a halt to welfare overhaul to prevent it becoming another poll tax. Front of the Times, it's another picture of the bloke from, uh, from Playboy, Hugh Hefner, with his third wife, Crystal. 
you know, what was it about the multi-millionaire Hugh Hefner that first attracted you, Crystal? But uh, he's died at the age of 91, so they've done his obituary everywhere. Wood fires face a ban in pollution crackdown. Wood burning said to be banned in some urban areas to reduce air pollution. Because you see that, don't you? Oh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, is seeking powers to prohibit all burning of wood in parts of the capital with poor air quality. They're obsessed with this poor air quality, aren't they? What can we do now? Let's ruin your lives again. OK, we're taking away Uber. Well, not really. Uh, let's take away wood burning stoves. Can we take away late-night takeaways? Let's, let's try that one. That'd be far more beneficial. Let's stop all these places opening till three in the morning, make sure people are off the streets. Let's have a curfew. Come on, let's do it properly. Faffing around with wood-burning stoves. Good Lord above, honestly. What does the mayor do? Why can't he stop these dreadful food places, which have got God knows where their chicken comes from? I wouldn't even like to imagine. I'm hoping proper authorised places. Front of the Daily Mail this morning, Playboy boss Hugh Hefner's left a toxic legacy for women. This is what Sarah Vine's saying. I suppose people wanted to go... I don't know why you'd want to go and work in the in the Playboy mansion to be treated like some sort of piece of used meat. The treatment and funding shambles costing thousands of lives, victims of breast cancer neglect, and Prince Harry doing one of his gurning faces, mm-hmm. like that, feeling a little broody because this girl's been eating... They've just obviously taken loads of pictures. They can take hundreds in about, you know, two seconds. And they've got one of him going... Mm-hmm. Like that, because this girl's been nicking his popcorn. As I say, I think he's actually saying, give it back. Make your mother pay. You know, why am I sitting next to somebody who's thieving my popcorn? But you know what children like? They don't care. What's he holding? Popcorn. Puts a hand in there. He didn't appear to know it was it was going on. So they've got series of, of photographs of her eating it. And then, they, then he does his sort of funny little Harry face. And uh, so he's offered his friend another piece. She's probably going, I'm not taking that from you. Give me the bag. Give me the bag. You know, I'll put, put my hand in there. And so she steals his popcorn and his heart. Oh, God, honestly. This apparently means he's broody. He's broody. Pensioners still failed by 15-minute care visits. They did a programme on the television the other night, actually, and it was... Oh, dear, it was dreadful. It was, it was how the police have to deal with people who are um, going to hospital. There was one woman in, I think it was... Was it three months? She'd made 151 calls to the ambulance service. Literally every little thing she called them out there. A total waste of time. Total waste of time. They're, they're stretch- And they had to say in the end, listen, we're really busy tonight. We don't have enough time to do this. I think she just wanted company. And then another bloke who's uh, causing trouble outside a hospital. Another well-known drunk. And in the end, he's in their face. So they push him away. Don't get anywhere near me. And all he was looking for, he had this little trick. He wanted to be arrested. So he'd get a bed for the night in the cells. That was as simple as that. He was a stupid person. He really was absolutely ridiculous. But he got his achievement. They ended up calling a wagon out. And he he got what he wanted. And all he did was just annoy them. He just annoyed them to the point of, right, well, you're going to be locked up tonight. That's exactly what happened to him. Uh, Best quality of meat, says Graham in Uxbridge. Always found in your local butcher. Settling locally produced meat. Not always. Not always. Uh, Another one here. Says, Brenda, you really think the supermarket visits show actual working actions? No, visits pre-booked, so all in order with the staff, primed to do right. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I I would... You can't just turn up in these things, can you? So, to a certain extent, you might be right. You might be right that they might go, listen, because we used to know at United Biscuits, they'd say, Marks and Spencer coming in next week, because there'd be loads, you can't have just loads of people turning up in a factory, you know, for hygiene conditions. So, uh, so that's okay. Uh, another one says here, horrible to eat animal corpses. If you must kill it, uh, eat it, kill it yourself or visit an abattoir. And then you'll eat, um, you know, normal stuff. 
Well, I don't think you can just visit an abattoir and just sort of pop in and sort of help yourself. It doesn't quite work like that. It's a bit of a simplistic attitude. And uh, and somebody else says, why Playboy bunnies? Because bunnies are cute. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? And uh, somebody says, you'll have to tone down your Prince Harry attacks. There's no attacks. I'm just telling you the facts. Facts. If you don't like facts. It says now that the royalist blood is up over Emma Dent. No, the royalists haven't said anything at all about that. There's only one poor Tory MP who's called for her resignation. Why should she have to resign for having an opinion? Don't be so silly, Dan. Honestly. Uh, Dean says... Um, da, 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 da. Uh, right. OK, lovely. That's good. And somebody says, I never buy supermarket chicken. Chicken, It's foul. Well, you see, that's why we like this, the sound of the farms, isn't it? The farms make it sound so brilliant. I'm thinking of, you know, I know that for... Um, for the turkeys at Christmas, these Norfolk turkeys, they're allowed to roam and they can eat all sorts of things and they grow big and healthy and then they, they lose their lives and we eat them over Christmas. That's why they're so expensive, because they're allowed to sort of go out and roam free. I don't think you get that many free-range chickens. I think they, they said something once. I can't remember what it was. Chicken being born to table is, is not as long as you think. It's a matter of weeks. You know, they feed them up with these things, which, you know, gives them hormone growth. And so you can have a, a chicken ready for the table. I'm sure in a matter of weeks, four or five weeks or six weeks. And once they're ready, then they're just dispatched. And I suppose the cheaper end of the market is they don't even get that long. They just pump them full of all sorts of things. You can always tell, can't you? Always tell. When you actually see chickens without their feathers on in the, um, in the processing plants, it doesn't look very much of them at all. It really doesn't. But either way, I'm sure that the big supermarkets will do the right thing. They will tell us about it and they will say they've done their investigation and it all seems fine. And then we'll all forget about it for another week until something else comes along and they go, do you know that cream in cream cakes? Where do you think that comes from? You know, and we'll all go, really? never thought about that. We worry about it. You know, have you ever considered? I said before, I go to Waterloo Station on a daily basis. They've got places that sell pasties and sausage rolls. I've never thought that any of the sausage rolls contain meat. I'm always waiting for one of the newspapers to go, we found this company that sell this and we've had it analysed. And, you know, it's 5% meat. It's like buying sausages. They advertise sausages on the television. So I thought, oh, they look quite nice. I'll buy some of those. Then you look at the meat content, 35%. So I only buy sausages, if I buy sausages at all, that have got 95% meat. So that's 5% packing. But some sausages, 27% meat. And you go, it's not really a sausage at all, is it? And that's why I'm slightly dubious about sausage rolls that you buy on railway stations. Because they don't look, you know, if it had a sausage in the middle of it, I could understand it. But it never looks like it to me. Thank you for your company. It's been lovely. Lovely. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow morning. The best of Steve Allen between five and six. Six till seven in conversation. Leslie Joseph. Just literally at the theatre at the back here, the Garrick Theatre. And Benny Anderson. New album out called Piano which is lovely. So a great conversation with both of them, repeated on Sunday evening at nine o'clock. And I'm back with you Sunday morning as well, between five and seven, as we look through the Sunday papers. Uh, don't forget, have a go for my competition. I'll mention it one more time for you tomorrow morning. And uh, don't forget that fantastic sandals holiday for one lucky couple. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download that free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment with our LBC catch-up app. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 this morning, it's James O'Brien. But coming up next with breakfast on LBC, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.